97.3 More variety The city is alive On 97.3 City 97.3 Accra There can be no other Than to say that we're free No need to change Keep it tuned to city Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, my neighbor. Good morning to life. Good morning. Music. Talk. Inspiration. In perspective. Express yourself. Good morning, my neighbor. City FM, your station. It's a refreshing lifestyle. City FM. 
Six, Hima Messi with a beautiful song. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, 
has he put eternity in their hearts except that no man can find out the work that god does from beginning to end doesn't matter how low or ignominious your start how common your beginning he makes everything beautiful in its time special shouts and congratulations to reverend stevie you know some and the incoming leadership team of the Assemblies of God Church. And I think the song just summarizes the journey. Beautiful ceremony on Saturday to crown a glorious incoming. We pray for wisdom. We pray for favor. We pray for excellence. For the administration led by Reverend Steve Wengam and the whole Assemblies of God Church worldwide. Where the song is for you. It makes it beautiful. Master the art of timing. Master the art of timing. Not everything will work at every time. It may be a request to a boss, it may be a product launch, it may be laying off. It may be starting a new project. The art of timing is crucial for business success. To everything, there is a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. Master the art of timing for business success. That's business sense brought to you by ADB. We are providing you with a special personal loan top up to meet your school and hostel fees, your rent, your mortgage, your domestic needs, and more in the ADB special personal loan top up. Call 059-384-4898 or 059-384-5845. Visit any of our branches and let's talk about how to access that new loan. ADB truly agree and more. Unleashing the power of relevant radio. This is City 97.3. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. Unleashing the power of relevant radio. This is City 97.3. Yeah. 
Before we get into the newspaper review, today is Monday, the 27th. Newspaper review is brought to you by Total Energy's Marketing PLC, your trusted OMC. We've been adjudged the Petroleum Company of the Year for three consecutive times by the CIMG. At Total Energies, we are committed to delivery of quality and innovative products and services that enhance customer experience because we know our success depends on you. We are a multi-energy company. We continue to deliver exciting and innovative products and services to meet your needs. So just two days in the month of February, Heritage Month is March. It begins on Wednesday. Heritage Caravan takes off on Saturday. So many things happening this season on CTFL. Let me say good morning to Richie Sky. Good morning, my brother. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And to Godfrey Akotobo. Hello, hello, hello. How are, you, how are you doing as well? Fantastic. Looking forward to the week? Yes, 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 yes. A lot of things happening. Yes. Yep, 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 yeah. yep, yep. My people in Nigeria are in the news for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. No, they have not finished counting. <laughs> no, but I think the election, I think the election went... Much better than other people anticipated. Really? Yeah? Really? It, no, no, it depends on who you are listening to. Oh, yes. Because some some um, uh, observer, CSO, uh, they call it a situation room. Yeah. Lady went on Arise TV and she basically took the issue to the cleaners. Apparently, that's at 11 a.m. in some places. Mm-hmm. The EC officials had now started unpacking I'm their packing. bags. Yeah. And when they finished unpacking, instead of they started paste, putting posters, yeah. and when they finished putting posters, they now started educating voters yes. at 11 o'clock. Yes. And in well, some places, there were no voter materials. Uh-huh. Of course, these are isolated are incidents. But exactly. when you put everything together, exactly. the picture is now emerging. We'll see. But hold on. Mm. If you even go back to the last election and you compare it to this one. Actually, no. They cl- the, 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 the analysts have listened to say this one was much worse. But you know what? Yeah. The, the, the last election. The, the, the results have started trickling, trickling in. The, it's, it's still early days yet mm-hmm. so you can't really give i'm not even talking about i'm not even, i'm just talking about the conduct of it the isolated well we are obviously we are obviously, so, obviously, obviously reading different newspapers yes we are obviously yes, watching different channels that's far is that this yes. election is it's not good at all yes we are reading different newspapers so we'll we, we, we consolidate, we consolidate okay, our okay. Yes. okay meanwhile the Canadian time says this morning and the admissions under computerized system increase shs quota to 40 percent this is child rice uh, international advocating that position also we are told that ecg faces court action for felling trees as chiadu residents fume a uh, destruction of green ghana project also on the front page this morning first results expected from tight nigeria election this week and government committed to deepening decentralization in ghana according to dan Bochwe. I'll take it to the front page of the daily graphic. Cocoa industry under threat. Illegal miners destroy rehabilitated farms. 
the president has met uh, the Bokunaba mm -hmm. uh, to renew commitment to lasting peace in Boku. So, a photo mm -hmm. of the president and Naba Abugrago Azoka II. Uh, Reverend Wengam mm -hmm. takes over as Seventh Assemblies of God General Superintendent. Thank you. Sure was there. Mm -hmm. uh, mining firms should undertake legacy projects. That's according to the NAELP coordinator. And Nigeria elections will be credible, mm -hmm. according to the INEC boss. The final says this morning, KIA records um, some 1,089 Ghana card arrivals from 19 countries to Ghana in 2022. This is according to a data coming in from the Ghana Immigration Service. Also, we are told that free senior high school, 91% of qualified students successfully placed, according to the Education Ministry. And there's a question here that says, is Finance Minister Kenoforiata to blame? And Akim Akokwaso mining dispute resolved. Well, front page of the Herald newspaper this morning, German ambassador exposes Ghana's uh, $5.7 billion debt secret, thinks the country boss links hidden plush building to the president. Uh, it's on the front page of this paper. Troublesome Francis ACM clashes with bully energy minister. Uh, that's also on the front page of the paper. The Ghanaian Observer says this morning, Akufuado Bokunaba renew commitment to restoring lasting peace to Boko. Also, there's a question, uh, there's a story here that says, support Ghana's efforts to combat terrorism. The minister responsible for national security is telling the international uh, community. Another story here says that parents hail smooth 2023 selection or school selection and placement and president to deliver sona on march the 8th the front page of the republic press has former president mahama says uh mahamadi writes ec boss again the german ambassador's comments make it to the front page of the paper francis sm is on the front page reverend steve wengam yes. is on the front says body no be firewood body no be firewood and uh, it says reverend steve wengam's position on sex before marriage please please this part that they've gone to cut yes. and put on the front yes he said it so they'll cut it yes but he said a lot of things. and then finance minister ken is yeah. the best <clears throat> since 1957 okay according to power is he serious okay <laughs> 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 the publisher newspaper says this morning Chase Algeria Siltari Mugabe petition hits special prosecutor's desk. But is this to this one too? Is it a job of the special prosecutor? Is it should if do somebody what? is overstaying in office, you should do what? They should chase him out. Chase out who? The, I mean, the, yeah, the guy at DRA. Maybe they feel the political will would would not be from other places, so he should have it. But his job is dealing with matters concerning corruption and related matters, not <laughs> chasing should. public officers who are overstaying unless there is some element of corruption. Yeah. So people you think people misunderstand Yeah, the, I think people just yeah. they have to do a lot people of misunderstand uh, the, you know, public education, the yeah. and the rest of the team there. Yeah. They are doing yeah. a great job though. This one says I stand for peace, <coughs> Boku Naba assures Kufuado and support Ghana. Uh, combat terrorism, according to Kandapa. Finally, for me, Bernard, the front page of the BNFT uh, says the government settles 87 billion Ghana cities worth of bonds mm -hmm. for those who held out. Uh, ban on mining and forest reserves still in force, according to the Lands 
minister and 684 million dollars earmarked to improve rice value chain all right okay let me take you to the chronicle which says <clears throat> is official setting up of scones in uh 500 000 ghana cd yeah what's it okay the word is confusing so they are saying that sedinam apparently absconded in with 500 000 ghana cds in ghana must God, the whole thing is just confusing sedinam absconded in 500,000 Ghana CD in Ghana must go back trial. Do you understand that? Yeah. Mm. So that, that whole construction is describing the trial. Yeah. It's, it's yeah so it's a bit convoluted. Yeah. Also, there's a story here that says, Mahama is telling Christians, don't run away from politics. So if you intend to run away, don't. Uh, there are two other newspapers I want to bring to your attention. Right. And for peace, Boko Naba is declaring... And uh, also, the special prosecutor is being petitioned. I told you about this. And then the Economy Times uh, says that job scarcity rises marginally and banks record robust assets. An external debt relief, Ghana acts to address energy and revenue. Citynewsroom.com, Jean Mensa NIA boss to appear in parliament on Tuesday over new election CI. Also, GHS tracking 56 contacts following Lassa fever outbreak. Mm. Health minister to be in parliament on Wednesday over vaccine shortage. So, Tuesday, Wednesday, big days in parliament. And then parliament has corrected a story that you sought to correct last week. Yeah. CI making Ghana cards for registration document not passed. Mm-hmm. This is parliament reacting to the Ghanaian Times report. I think you mentioned that it had been misreported yeah. and the parliament agrees. Mm-hmm. Still on citynewsroom.com. IMFD won't collapse if China fails to cancel Ghana's debt. This is Buckwin. Contrary to what the German ambassador is saying, we'll examine that story. Steve Wengan inducted General Hospital of Assemblies of God is also a lead story on citynewsroom.com. Uh, City Business News, Ghana's local debt score raised by SMP as domestic default cured. And then gold fuels production dropped by 4% in 2022. Mm-hmm. And then the German ambassador says, meet certain conditions before we help. This is in relation to Ghana's debt. In fact, he also says, IMF deal is in danger if China rejects Ghana's debt relief. We'll deal with this story on the show. If you come to my journal line, 2023 Nigeria elections will ensure safety of Ghanaians in Nigeria. This is our high commissioner. Also, EC is correcting that statement or that story that was written. Or the parliament, rather, is making that correction. Uh, the document has not been passed. Meanwhile, the NIA boss says 3.5 million Ghana cards stuck in bonded warehouses is due to our indebtedness. Oh. And then military, uh, missing military officer, Lieutenant Kenopitamo has been found, according to the Ghana police. A um, couple of quick stories globally. Reuters says U.S. warns China against providing lethal aid for Russia's war in Ukraine. Um, Al Jazeera says that drought in the Horn of Africa is worse than the 2011 famine. So, uh, and I'm, I'm interested in Ethiopia this morning, and I'll explain why shortly. And then from Nigeria, of course, a lot of their papers are talking about the elections. Mm-hmm. Editorial for Premium Times, anxious waiting for president-elect and the tasks ahead. Channels TV is also talking about the election and the wait for results. Live update, coalition of Nigeria's presidential election results enters day two. And Atiku defeats Tinubu in Buhari's state Katsina. Mm-hmm. So a, a small pattern is emerging there. Let's get into the details. I'll start from the German ambassador. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people are carrying that story. Uh, Herald has it. The Daily Graphic has it. And then yeah. the Republic Press. Different angles to this. I'm sure yes. have an online version. Yes. Economic crisis. Germany wants 
Ghana to meet criteria. That's on page 24 uh -huh. of the Daily Graphic. The German ambassador to Ghana, Daniel Crow, has said Germany is prepared to support Ghana come out of its economic crisis, provided certain criteria are met. The criteria the German ambassador said included doing things in an internationally coordinated way in line with the G20 common framework. Uh, Mr. Crow made this in Accra last Friday during a press briefing on the outcome of the visit of a number of German delegations to Ghana from the beginning of this year. The other criteria Mr. Crow mentioned was that the Ghana uh, government must take some important steps, including boosting revenue collection through property tax collection and cutting government expenditure on the energy sector and government spending in general. Uh, now, Ghana, a, a few... A so, few the other point he makes... Okay. So, the point you made is the first point. The second point he makes is that... Uh, our IMF deal is in danger if China rejects our debt relief. Now, the German ambassador, same guy, has warned that the $3 billion bailout being sought for from IMF is in danger of not being approved if China fails to agree to a debt relief package. Now, addressing the media, the Necro said China has so far rejected attempts by officials from Ghana to engage them to commit to setting up a creditors committee for an agreement on a debt package. Now, President Akufuado on Friday, February 3, urged Germany to, quote, encourage China an ad hoc member of the Paris Club to support Ghana's debt restructuring efforts. The president made a call when the, the same delegation visited him in the Jubilee House. Now, Daniel Crow has disclosed that other creditors will only play their part and help if China, the biggest creditor to Ghana, agrees to the debt relief package. Quote, we are prepared to live up to our responsibility, as the SHS, as you read, but basically saying that if the Chinese are not playing ball, nobody else would. Well, we are told that the president will be addressing the state um, on the 8th of March. Mm. Uh, perhaps some of these issues will come up. Julius Yaopetechi reporting for the Ghanaian Times this morning says the president, Nanadu Dankwe Kufuado, will on March 8, 2023, deliver to parliament a message on the state of the nation. The majority leader and minister of parliamentary affairs, the Honorable Say Chairman Sabonsu, told parliament on Friday. Now, the presentation of the SONA by the president, Kufuado, uh, was initially Initially slated for Tuesday, the February 20, February the 28th, mm -hmm. 2023, but was postponed to March 8th this particular year. We hope that... The There's a lot of things in Parliament. If you have the correction from Parliament yeah. of the CI story, mm -hmm. I think the Ghanaian Times had reported that the CI had been passed. Exactly. Parliament sent out a statement. It's on citynewsroom.com. Parliament has denied reports that a constitutional instrument seeking to make the Ghana card the sole document for registration during the e elections has been passed. A statement by the Public Affairs Director of the House explained that the House only held pre-presentation pre discussions on the CI to collect input from relevant sources for the drafting of the CI. Quote, the attention of Parliament has been drawn to a report in the Ghanaian Times alleging that Parliament has passed the CI to adopt the Ghana card as a sole registration document. Parliament states categorically that it has not passed any such document. In any case, Parliament does not pass CIs. This only, they only come into force with the Reflection of time mm -hmm. that is after 21 days of the instrument being laid in the house. Mm -hmm. Then, still on that, the EC chairperson, Madam Jean Mensa, mm -hmm. and the NIA boss, Professor Ajemanatefa, are both expected to appear in parliament on Tuesday. Okay. And then on Wednesday, the health uh, minister would appear. So, let me just put them, them together. Chairperson of EC Jean Mensa and executive secretary of NIA, Kenneth Ajemanatefa, are expected to appear before parliament on Tuesday, February 28th to brief the House on the Commission's proposed CI. Due to Madame Jean Mensah's absence from the House, the minority objected to the briefing by EC officials on Thursday. Now, the CI is attempting to use the Ghana card as a sole document for voter registration in the upcoming election. Mm -hmm. Then, still in Parliament, as we read and as you said, Kwekwa Jimai Menu and his team will be meeting the Health Committee 
to brief them on why there's been no vaccines for some time now okay but uh, uh, still talking about the health sector there's a, 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 a what do you call it an editorial in the ghanaian times mm-hmm. highlighting the lassa fever situation mm-hmm. and demanding that we need to intensify sensitization on that particular uh, you know issue mm-hmm. because look i mean the way people are dying is, is a sort of a hemorrhagic fever mm-hmm. and and we're told that five cases or so have been recorded in our country mm-hmm. uh, so we need to keep an eye on that that particular situation all right let me take you to page 16 of the daily graphic two stories there for attention mm-hmm. renew commitment to lasting peace in boko at a meeting at the jubilee house last friday president kufado said ensuring peace in boko remained a priority of the government hence the relevant authorities would continue to work closely with the kusog traditional authority towards achieving that objective on the same page reverend wengam has taken over as the seventh assemblies of god general superintendent yep. uh, he together with new presidential officers who were elected on august 5 last year took over from reverend professor paul from paul manso uh, who is now the out- yes. on other things uh, yeah he preached uh, during uh, the ceremony he spoke on corruption mm-hmm. and holiness he mentioned uh, what he said were the chronic difficulties in tackling corruption illegal mining environmental bankruptcy <coughs> despondency dishonesty quote says citizens steeped in holiness would not tell blatant lies inflate prices of goods and services falsify procurement figures steal state funds pollute water bodies litter their surroundings mm. denigrate their neighbors assassinate the character of their political opponents mm. do shoddy work late around during working hours or exploit Wonderful. their workers and another version of that story is what is captured by the Republic press body no be fire. So actually on citizens not doing what they will not do, the graphic talks about what citizens are doing to our water bodies okay, and on the front page. Yeah, before you go there, President Mahama apparently spoke at the ceremony. Yeah, yeah it was uh, a guest of honor there. And um, the Chronicle has details of that. Mahama tells Christians not to run away from politics. Jennifer Amboli writing for the paper says, former President John Dramani Mahama has urged Christians to participate in politics and hold positions of authority instead of being frightened to do so. The former president was speaking at the induction ceremony of the founder of the Cedar Mountain Chapel, Reverend Stephen Yenunsom Wengam, as General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God Church, Ghana last weekend. Well, the cocoa industry is under threat, has been under threat for a very long time now. Illegal miners destroy <coughs> rehabilitated farms. Talibu. A story by Shele Siedu Addo says that uh, the Ghana Cocoa Board has warned that the uh, industry could head for disaster if the illegal activities were not checked. This is coming from Reverend Edwin Afari, or Afari who is the Executive Director of Cocoa Health and Extension Services. I would say the National Cocoa Rehabilitation Program being undertaken by Cocoa Board at a cost of 4.8 billion Ghana cities was under severe threat. He said, quote, recently I was around the Bonsu area in the Awin municipality of the western region of about 36 hectares that we did. They have cut down all of them hmm. for Galamsey, he told journalists in Cape Coast. All right, let's continue okay. with other stories. Uh, there's a story that I, I see in the uh, Ghanaian Observer. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty troubling. Mm-hmm. It says 41% of Ghanaians battling psychological issues. This is the Director General of the Ghana Health Service apparently oh, yes. speaking here. And the story is by Michael Ofusuefri uh, mm. reporting from Kumasi. It says that the Director General of the Ghana Health Service, Dr. Patrick Kuma Boaji, has revealed that 41% of Ghanaians are suffering from psychological issues. Addressing a two-day public forum at uh, the Christian Service University College on the theme addressing the increasing health challenges in Ghana, exploring diverse perspectives, Dr. Boaji noted that the incidence of mental disorders at the hospital was getting serious. Now, he noted that every one out of 
10 Ghanaians you meet on the street will be having one form of mental mm. disorder. Let's go to the BNFT. Yeah, BNFT is talking about bonds mm. on page 3. Government has successfully concluded the DDEP, that's the Domestic Debt Exchange, mm. uh, for Ghana-denominated notes and bonds issued by the state, uh, the Energy Sector Levy and Dacha Trust. Uh, this achievement is an important milestone for government in implementing the post-COVID-19 program for economic growth during the current economic crisis. Another program, government managed to restructure bonds to the tune of 87 billion Ghana cities. According to the Ministry of Finance, the settlement was made in line with terms and conditions stipulated in the second amended and restated exchange memorandum. Mm. Let me take you to the Horn of Africa for a quick story before we come to Nigeria. How does that supporting that the drought in the Horn of Africa is worse than the 2011 famine? Below normal rainfall is suspected during the rainy season over the next three months in parts of Somalia, Kenya, and Ethiopia. A climate research center says. And according to the story, drought trends in the Horn of Africa are now worse than they were during the 2011 famine in which hundreds of thousands of people died. The IGAD Climate Prediction and Application Center said on Wednesday that below normal rainfall is expected during the season over the next three months. And drier than normal conditions have also increased in parts of Burundi, Eastern Tanzania, Rwanda, and Western Sudan, or Western South Sudan. Mm-hmm. While famine thresholds have not been reached. UN Second General Antonio Guterres on Wednesday said 8.3 million people, more than half of Somali's population, will need humanitarian assistance this year. And let me just compound the problem for you, Bernard. If you go to the new publisher, there's a story there on page 7, uh, Business. It says, Ghanaian CD, other African currencies expected to weaken oh. further. Oh. And it says that the Ghana CD oh. would um, further uh, sink. Uh, it also says the Kenyan shilling would also suffer some oh. um, depreciation. The Ugandan shilling is also expected to weaken. The situation in Zambia will not be any different. Tanzania will face a similar problem. And then also the situation in uh, Nigeria. Let's so give you now early results arriving from a tight election. If you go to the Nigerian media itself, there are some highlights. So, for example, Atiku has defeated Tinubu in Buhari state of Katina. Mm-hmm. Um, the first state result that came out is a Kiti state, which is in the southwest, which unsurprisingly was won by Bola Tinubu. Then a couple of papers are reporting, for example, in uh, Premium Times, Obi has overtaken Tinubu in Lagos. Okay. Lagos is the largest state in terms of population. And I'll read that story. Although Mr. Tinubu, a former governor of the state, has won more local government areas. He's trailing behind Mr. Obi by a slim margin. So mm-hmm. the Labour Party's presidential candidate, Peter Obi, has overtaken APC's Bola Tinubu in Lagos State okay. with the results of Saturday's presidential election declared in 17 out of the 20 local government areas of the state so far. Mm-hmm. Although Mr. Tinubu, a former governor of the state, has won more local government areas, he's trailing behind Mr. Obi by a slim margin of 1,686 votes. Mm-hmm. While Mr. Tinubu has triumphed in 10 local government areas, polling a total of 447,000 votes so far. Mr. Obi is ahead in only 7 LGAs, but is leading the tally narrowly with 448,000 votes. Okay. And then we'll talk to our reporters on the ground in Nigeria as well mm-hmm. to give us some details. And as I read earlier, former president, former Vice President Atiku mm-hmm. has uh, won the presidential election in President Buhari's state of Katina, which is in the northwest. Okay. Abubakar scored 489,045 to edge out APC's Bola Tinubu, who pulled 482 mm-hmm. and other candidates. Rabiu Kwankwanso of NNPP came third with 69,000. Labour Party's OB got only 6,376. So the North are really going for their, uh, <laughs> their Muslim candidates there. Yeah, so the, the pattern is, is not very clear. I'm sure by the time the show ends, we'll know 
what is going on in Nigeria. Okay, just a quick correction. The Lafa, the, the, the Lassa fever. No, we have two cases. Two, recorded two cases. Lassa yes, Lassa. yes, two cases recorded so far. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Richard. Thank that you, was bro. the newspaper review. Coming up next is the City Business News. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. Couple of minutes to seven city business news coming up shortly. Brought to you by MTN. There's good news for SMEs who want to also move to become medium skilled businesses. With SME Plus, you get to manage all your personal cost in communication. Service allows you to choose from affordable packages and enjoy talk time, SMS data, and business content all bundled into one. The other exciting news is you get free on net calls every Monday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Simply dial star 5060 hash sign up today. Call or WhatsApp 0244308111 for more information and stay connected everywhere you go. Don't forget, EdTech Monday is happening this morning at 9. Partnership with the uh, Mastercard Foundation, MEST and City. Nathan Kwa will be hosting his guest this morning. Natalie uh, Ajaho is here with City Business News at 7. Good morning, Bernard. Welcome to the breakfast edition of City Business News, proudly brought to you by MTN, Goal and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. Coming up, stakeholders in the mining industry call for robust policies to improve macroeconomic environment and economist Karaj Boti urges government to strengthen industrialization policies as it moves to negotiate with China for debt forgiveness. To our stories now, economist and currency analyst at GCB Capital Limited, Karaj Bhuti, is urging government to strengthen its industrialization policies as it moves to negotiate with China for debt forgiveness. He refuted assertions by some stakeholders that China may seize the opportunity to take over local industries if the negotiations are successful. However, Finance Minister Ken Oforiata has disclosed that government's planned high-level meeting with Chinese creditors over Ghana's debt restructuring has been postponed to late March 2023. He's been speaking to City Business News. In the bargain, concessions must be made. And so long as your cost outweighs your benefit, you've won. And you do not also necessarily win in bargains. I think at this point in time, the most pressing issue is that our debt is unsustainable and we must find a way to return it to sustainable path. Negotiating them will mean that we are trying to get them on our side so they could cooperate with debt restructuring. The question is, it will come at what cost? Will it mean dumping of Chinese goods? Again, the Chinese goods on our market, the quality argument and all those other stuff, our traders decide what they bring in. And so what quality we are talking about is determined by 
what we are willing to buy. By the way, the U.S., even if they have trade wars and they've had trade wars in the past and all of that, still produce most of their goods from China because they have um, economies of scale and economies of scope. And again, the question is, do we as a local economy immediately have capacity to produce the things we ordinarily import from China to the extent that our industrialization policies are not even up and running and producing those things. We still import anyway. I do not see uh, what China would demand from us different from what we already have in place. Economist Karish Bouti speaking there. Interim Chief Executive Officer of leading gold mining company Goldfields Limited, Martin Priest, says investors will value stability in the political and economic environment as the regime has become more challenging due to recent economic situations in the country. This comes as the company's production fell by 4% to 838,000 ounces from the 871,000 ounces in 2021. There's more in the following news desk report. The company noted that it is concerned with the economic environment in the country, particularly with issues arising in the latter part of 2022 and the early part of 2023, as it has become more challenging for businesses in the country to operate. In a statement, the company noted that it is, however, engaging with government individually and through industry bodies to reiterate its stance on key matters as the process of claiming certain rebates relating to development agreements has become more burdensome. Production for 2022 fell by 4% to 838,000 ounces from the 871,000 ounces recorded in 2021. This was mainly driven by decreased production at the Damang mine. While Damang gold production decreased by 10% to 230,000 ounces in 2022 from the over 250,000 ounces in 2021 due to lower yield as a result of lower grade of ore processed, Takwa gold production increased by 2% to 531,600 ounces in 2022 from the 521,700 ounces in 2021, mainly due to higher tons, processed and improved yield. Asanko, which is an equity accounted joint venture, also saw gold production decrease by 19% to 170,300 ounces in 2022 from the 210,200 ounces in 2021, of which 76,700 700 ounces was attributable to gold fields. The decrease was mainly due to lower yield, which is a direct result of lower grade ore processed from stockpile in 2022 compared to the higher grade fresh ore and stockpiles in 2021. For Damang, yield decreased by 11% due to the completion of the Damang pit in November 2022 and mining through the transition in the lower grades of the Huni pit. In Takwa, yield increased by 1% due to higher grades processed. The company in the statement indicated that all in costs across the three mines, that is in Takwa, Damang and Asanko, increased by 10% to 1,220 ounces in 2022 from the 1,112 ounces in 2021. It however noted that it would continue to work on the future of both the Damang mine and their share in the Asanko mine and will provide an update to the market in due course. That was a City Business News Desk report. Economist Professor Eric Osea Sibe is optimistic of government's plans to bring the country's debt to gross GDP ratio to 55% within the next five years. Ghana's total public debt stock is 575.7 billion Ghana cities as of November 2022. The new debt figure brings Ghana's debt to GDP ratio to 93.5% from the 75.9% in September 2022. 
He's been speaking to City Business News on his reasons for the optimism. On the Ghana's engagement with the IMF, as you know, the whole idea is for fiscal consolidation after will lead us to debt sustainability. And the projection is that in the next five years, we should bring our debt to GDP to 55%, meaning uh, from a high of 105 uh, to 55%. That is a tall order for any country to be able to achieve that. And the way to do that is the debt restructuring and the debt exchange program that we're talking about. Significant milestones have been achieved since we went to the IMF in July. Uh, we've been able to um, have the domestic debt restructuring uh, almost done with. Not yet though, because uh, I understand the parliament is calling for it. Uh, that we don't know what is going to happen. The start level agreement has been reached. And then structural reform. These are the proud actions that the IMF require, uh, requires from government. It is like conditionalities, right? The key conditionalities. Apart from the debt restructuring, one of the key ones is the uh, government is supposed to record a non-oil primary balance of at least 2% of GDP. Professor Eric Oseyasibe is an economist. The Association of Ghana Industries has indicated that access to investment capital continues to be a challenge for local industries. According to the association, this challenge stifles the growth of indigenous business. These comments were made by the Chief Executive Officer of the Association, Seth Chumakwabwa. That was the CEO of the Association of Ghana Industries, Seth Chum Akwabwa. Now on the interbank foreign exchange markets, where banks trade amongst themselves, the dollar remained unchanged and is selling at 11 cities, 1 peswa. The British pound lost 1 peswa and is selling at 13 cities, 2 peswas. The euro also lost 1 peswa and is selling at 11 cities, 6 peswas. However, at some forex bureaus within the capital, the dollar is selling for 13 cities, while the British pound is selling for 15 cities, 45 pesos, and the euro for 13 cities, 60 pesos. Let's now join Mark Jordan Sikanate of Databank for updates on the stock market. The Ghanaian stock market was active in the past week, with a weekly turnover of 4.5 million Ghana cities from the sale of 2.3 million shares across 20 counters. Five price movers were registered with MTN Ghana and Unilever Ghana as Guinness, while Guinness Ghana, Fanmilk PLC and New Gold emerged as sluggards. The market indices gained for the third consecutive week, with the GSE Composite Index climbing 0.45% week on week to 2,425.37 points, reducing it year-to-date loss to 0.76%, while the Data Bank Stock Index gained 0.15% week on week to 101.44 points, 
with a year-to-date loss of 3.69%. This week, we expect the share price of Benzoil Palm Plantation and Total Energies to advance on the back of high investor demand for their shares. That was Mark Jordan Sikanati of Data Bank. And that does it for the breakfast edition of City Business News, proudly brought to you by MTN, Goyle, and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netilinete Ajahu. Have a good business day. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Coming up shortly on the City Breakfast Show, brought to you by Shell Fuel Super Save or Save Super, Shell Fuel Save Diesel and Shell V Power. Shell Fuel Save Triple Action Formula improves engine efficiency, prevents deposit buildup, and protects your engine from wear and corrosion for extra clean, extra protection, and extra savings, giving you extra kilometers out of your drive. So switch to Shell Fuel Save today because extra kilometers go a long way. And if you're a private school targeting to buy a school bus anytime soon, why wait for later when you can? we can support you do that now? No, no. Come along, apply for a competitive school bus loan with convenient payment terms. Call Michael on 057-411-7851 and let's do it together. Let's share who let's improve life. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Benjamin Nikita is joining us with kickoff this morning. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Bernard. Let's get into the headlines and precedent. The co-father to meet family of the late Christian true to finalize funeral rites today. Eric Ten Hag ends Manchester United six-year trophy drought after defeating Newcastle in the Carabao Cup. And in the NBA, Damian Lillard scored a career-high 71 points to lead the Trailblazers to victory against the Rockets. <laughs> To the details now, and President Nana Kufuado will meet the family of the late Christian Atru uh, today to finalize the burial rites for the former Newcastle player. This was revealed by Sports Minister Mustafa Yusuf when he, along with officials of the Ghana Football Association, met the family to discuss plans for his burial. Now, the one-week observation for Christian Atru will be held on March 4 at the Adrengano Astro Tef. Let's now hear from the Sports Minister Mustafa Yusuf. The family of our late brother, Christian Achu, with the GFA, paid a courtesy call on me this morning for us to have deliberation on how to give our brother a befitting funeral. Like I said, our brother is no more just for the family alone. He's a state asset. 
having contributed immensely to the development of Ghanaian, Ghana football and even football around the world. It is unfortunate that we have lost him at this age. But the good thing we also state uh, funeral and uh, we are going to call on His Excellency the President of the Republic on Monday. And once we call on His Excellency the President on Monday, the plans that the family has tabled to the ministry and the GFA we will then make it public because it is subject to we getting confirmation from His Excellency the President of the Republic. Like I said, uh, he's the number one gentleman of this great country. And he's very much particular interested in making sure that we give our brother a befitting funeral. We heard Sports Minister Mustafa Youssef speaking there. Let's move on to the MTNFA Cup action that was um, played over the weekend. Adriana Stars, they uh, managed to knock Asante Kotoko out of the competition. Sam Adams scored a controversial penalty to eliminate the Porcupine Warriors from the knockout um, tournament. Now, Kotoko's head coach said Zebo attributed their defeat to poor officiating. No, the defeat, yes, we, de we were defeated, but it is the referee, this referee effort that won the match for Adwana. This is what he was saying. Though it's, it's asking why Adwana is on top of the league, but with this kind, this, this thing, uh, it's okay. He say he's not somebody who talks too much about referees, but the way they threaten the referee in the halftime, that's why the referee changes mind. But you are talking about goal scoring. Yes, we, we, we couldn't score a goal. It's a deficiency which is we are facing in the team now. So we are going to rectify it. I think Benassi influenced the mid-time and changed the game in the mid-time. I think that's it. So you had a very upset Asante Kotoko head coach Sadie Zebo speaking through his interpreter. Let's now hear from Adriana Stars head coach Park Wesi Fabian also speaking after the match. Like I told you, it's hard work and a lot of prayer. Very solid. I mean, they, they, they understand each other. And it's not that it came by, its, by, 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 by way of just uh, playing. But we've worked on it on training severally, severally. Now they have understood it and it's working for us. What needs to change to be that clinical up front for a team? We, uh, we keep working. Uh, Obin just joined us from uh, Chelsea. Uh, Minta is now coming up. So it will be up and down until it, it, it stabilizes. So we are still working on it. So you heard Parkway C. Fabian, who is head coach of Indiana Stars Football Club. Let's move on to some foreign stuff and let's get to the Carabao Cup final, which was contested yesterday between Manchester United and Newcastle at the Wembley Stadium. Man United winning that game by two goals to nil. Now Marcus Rashford hopes that the League Cup win can drive them onto more success. So yeah, the fact that we've come all this way and we've went on a money, it's, it's a massive feeling, but hopefully it pushes us now to keep going. The hunger's to, to have more moments like this and, you know, I've, I've been in finals where we've won and, and where we've lost and, you know, when you win them, it's, it's massive for the club, it's massive for us as individuals and it's part of our history in the club and, um, you know, we want to keep adding to that. I'm happy right now, so it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing with the, with the result, you know. Um, I think the boys and the staff have all put a lot of work in uh, to get here. So you had Marcus Rashford speaking there. Let's get to the manager of Man United, Eric Ten Hag, also sharing his thoughts on their victory. Such a very good spirit in the team. Act as a team, but fight, give everything. Well, we beat them. And it was not always, we'd say, the best football, but I think it was effective. And I think 
you get a lot of inspiration of this, but also uh, more confidence that we can do it. And I think we are still in a start uh, to restore Man United there where it belongs, and that is to winning trophies. And uh, yeah, this is the first one. Eric Ten Hag is Manchester United manager. Let's get to the Premier League itself and let's get to match with 25 in the Premier League. Tottenham Hotspur, they were up against Chelsea Football Club. Now Chelsea lost that game by two goals to Neil Graham Potter. As Chelsea head coach, he says that he can turn the situation around at the club. We know where, where our responsibilities lie and if results aren't good enough, which they aren't at the moment, and um, you know you, you can't rely on support forever, that's for sure. So my job is to, is to keep going, to keep working with the team, to try and change the moment because the players are hurting, that's for sure. They're, 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 they're giving everything. They're there, they want the results to get better. I can feel it in the dressing room. I know they, I know they are and they're hurting and it's a tough moment for us. It's really tough. Do you still believe you can turn this around? Yeah, because I know the personality, I know the quality in the team, but I also know that we've, we've had a, a you know a tough period of time where where confidence isn't massively high. Um, we're in a little bit of a uh, you know tough situation, but I know the personality in the group, the, the, the personality in the dressing room. The response this week has been fantastic in terms of training. We just haven't been able to manage to transfer that into results on the pitch, and that's uh, that's frustrating. Graham Potter is Chelsea head coach. He says he can turn the situation around. Arsenal Football Club were up against Leicester at the King Power over the weekend. Arsenal won that game by one goal to nil. Head coach of Arsenal is Mikel Arteta. He says that they should have scored more, but is more impressed with the team's outstanding defence. Yeah, I think for the amount of time that we dominated the ball, possession, territory, the amount of situation that we generated in the, in the final third, we should have created much more and scored more goals. When you don't then you have to be exceptional in your defensive work. I think we consider one goal, one chance, one shot of target only. So I think defensively the team was outstanding as well. So great because it's a really difficult place to come here and win and, and we've done it and it's, it's a huge win. Mikel Arteta has asked now head coach Crystal Palace. They held Liverpool to a goalless draw at Selhurst Park. Egan Klopp says Liverpool need to stop feeling sorry for themselves after bad results and move on. It's in your eyes and in players' eyes as well. It looks like we lost the game. We didn't. It's it's like that. We spoiled ourselves with a lot of things, but we can we cannot we cannot um, suffer because of our own history. That would now be really a joke. So this is will not be the season that everybody will when you, in the history books when you have a look and say let's let's have a look at that season again and again and again. There will not be big movies about it or stuff like this. But we we have to go through it anyway, and, I, and we will. So it's not always, oh, here we won, all great, now we have dropped the point, oh, all rubbish. So we have to keep going. Take the things and go again. Take the things and go again. And that's what we'll do. So you had Liverpool head coach Jürgen Klopp speaking there. Manchester City, they also won by four goals to one against AFC Bournemouth. There was Everton also taking on Aston Villa. Everton losing that game by two goals to nil. Leeds United beat Southampton by one goal to nil. And then West Ham were 4-0 victors at home when they took on Nottingham Forest. Fulham Football Club were held at home to a 1-1 draw by Wolverhampton Wanderers. Let's do some para sports now. And the local organising committee of the African Para Games Accra 2023 
Prix was inaugurated on the 24th of February at the African Paralympic Committee's Secretariat here in Accra. Now, the competition is the first of its kind on the continent after an unsuccessful attempt to host one in Morocco in 2019. Now, President of the Para, uh, Olymp- Paralympic um, Association, Samson Dean, uh, says he's excited about the upcoming competition. Let's move on to some basketball to close out the bulletin. And it was a big night in the NBA. The Los Angeles Lakers, they uh, managed to overcome a deficit of over 20 points to beat the Dallas Mavericks 111 to 108 in their game there. A very exciting game. And then it was Damian Lillard scoring 71 points to help the Portland Trail Blazers to defeat the Houston Rockets. The, the Phoenix Suns were also up against the Milwaukee Bucks. 104-101 is how it ended. The Suns losing that game. And then the Atlanta Hawks were also up against the um, Brooklyn Nets. They lost that game by a single possession. The Bulls beat the Wizards convincingly, 102-82. And then you also had games from uh, the Clippers against the Denver Nuggets. That game went to overtime. The Clippers losing that particular game. There was the Timberwolves taking on the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors winning that game, 109 to 104. That's all for this morning's edition of Kickoff. My name is Benjamin Inketia, the small sport at citysportsonline.com. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Health Tidbits is brought to you by the Nyahoo Medical Center. Welcome to Nyahoo Health in the City. This week we focus on surgeries and surgical procedures. There are different types of surgeries performed in hospitals. And the most common ones in Ghana is an apodectomy, which is the removal of the appendix. There are other common surgeries such as hernia repair, excision of lumps and bumps, and caesarean section, just to mention a few. However, surgeries also vary depending on the condition being treated, ranging from minor outpatient procedures to major operations requiring a longer stay in the hospital. It is only natural to be nervous about your surgery. To manage this, speak to your surgeon to understand the risks and benefits of your surgery. But most importantly, select a medical facility you trust. You may call our surgical team on 050-143-6662 for further inquiries. Or follow our social media handles for more health in the city tips. Nyaho, improving your quality of life. Health Tidbits was brought to you by the Nyahoo Medical Center. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. Unleashing the power of relevant radio. This is City 97.3. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Challenge what the future holds. Try and keep your head up to the sky. 
lovers, they may cause you tears. Go ahead, release your fears. Stand up and be counted. Don't be ashamed to cry. You gotta be, you gotta be bad. You gotta be bold. You gotta be wiser. You gotta be hard. You gotta be tough. You gotta be stronger. You gotta be cool. You gotta be calm. You gotta stay together. All I know, all I know, love will save the day Herald what your mother said Read the books your father read Trying to solve the puzzles in your own sweet time Some may have more cash than you Others take a different view My, oh my, yeah, yeah. You gotta be bad, you gotta be bold You gotta be wiser you gotta be tough, you gotta be stronger You gotta be cool, you gotta be calm You gotta stay together All I know, all I know, love will save the day Tough, ask no questions, it goes on without you Leaving you behind if you can't stand the pace The world keeps on spinning, you can't stop it if you try 7.33 it's dangerous staring you in the face There's a ray, uh, lots of uh, birthday wishes coming through Before we get into those Don't forget at 9 o'clock this morning EdTech Monday brought to you by Mastercard Foundation Partnership with Mest And Nathan Kwa will be talking to Abba Brandful Ankra Head of Preschool Vine Christian School FJ Cover, Chief Operating Officer of TechAid And Hilda Barasa Who's the Africa Policy Lead for Tony Blair Institute for Global Change what are they talking about? Mainstreaming hybrid model for learning. Yeah. I'm sure you're looking forward to that, Nathan. Yes, 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 yes. We'll, we'll talk about you know whether or not we need to bring in the new ways of learning. You know, COVID introduced all of us to different things. And it looks like now we have, want to have a conversation about whether these things should be the new normal. Mm. How people learn mm. in this new age. Hashtag EdTech Mondays. Join us as we bring you that discussion. But if you're looking to bank the easy way, then join Zenit Bank's easy banking family. Download the Z-Mobile app, Ghana, log on to our individual or corporate internet banking platforms, or simply dial star 966 hash to enjoy seamless banking on the go. You can make transfers, top up airtime, pay bills, pay for goods and services, and do so much more. Join the easy banking family and experience easy banking with Zenit Bank. Zenit Bank in your best interest. Are you finding it challenging managing our value-added services on Vodafone? The Vodafone Content Manager now allows you to check, control, and subscribe to our value-added services with ease. Be in control of our mobile content, of your mobile content subscription, and choose the type of content that suits your style. Simply dial star 463 hash or visit my Vodafone app now to conveniently manage all your content subscriptions. Vodafone, feather together. And this inspires us. In the beginning, children in her community used to walk to school. Today, not only are her bamboo bicycles making it easier for these children to get to school, Bernice Dapa also employs many women as well. At Absa, this is what we call Africanacity, the distinct ability of the Ghanaian to always get things done. Africanacity is our inspiration. It defines who we are and what we do. It's our commitment to helping people find a way to get things done. To find out more, visit absa.com.gh. 
And did you know that uh, exactly a week today is Independence Day, 6th March, and it falls on a Monday? Come spend the holiday with us at the Royal Century. Enjoy bed, breakfast, and dinner at a special Century weekday promo for only 2,500 CDs per night. Call Linda on 0242-886-510 for more details. The Royal Century, still Ghana's leading hotel. Don't forget, call Linda, 0242-882-510. Exactly one week, it's a special Independence Day offer for Century. And if you're having breakfast this morning, let me urge you to use Dano Milk, a rich source of natural protein fortified with vitamin A, with several other vitamins and essential nutrients to keep you healthy. We have protein which nourishes and grows your muscles, iodine which nourishes the brain to maintain and improve brain function, calcium gives you and your family strong teeth and bones. We have the Dano Milk Coffee 3 in 1, Dano Milk Chocolate 3 in 1, and the Dano Milk Cool Cow or Plain Powdered Milk. Lots of birthday requests coming through this morning. I'm going to just run through a few of them on the show today. Happy 70th, Mrs. Mariam Effie Pingpong. Thank you for your selfless sacrifice for us all. This message is with much love from your husband, your children, and their spouses, and your grandchildren. We love you from the Benin, Gansa, and the Pingpong families. Also wishing Kofi Adwejekum, CEO, Kofi Chrome Pharmacy, my big brother from another mother. You have been an integral part of my adulthood and I'll forever be grateful for your life. I should celebrate uh, another blessed year in your life. I pray for God's grace, wisdom and favor on your life. Regardless of time and distance, you know the love is deep. Happy birthday, Bra Kofi, from your sister Marlene. Also wishing Nana Kojo Arthur of Mount Zion Methodist Church Child Youth Development Center a special birthday. His heart for hard work and excellence is unmatched from David O. Mensa of Compassion International. And also wish the love of my life a happy birthday, Mrs. Grace Aite Maunu from Gas South Municipal Hospital Wager. Tell her she's a gift to me and Fafa. Wishing her the best of God's goodness. Okay. Happy birthday to Harrison Ahogba, a regular listener of the City Breakfast Show. And this one coming in from Apia Dumaku Kusi, West Africa Regional Director of CAT International, says yesterday was the 80th birthday of Ghana's celebrated and distinguished jurist Professor Justice Samokofi Dateba on behalf of the Board of Directors, Management and Staff of CAT International. I want to wish our Board Chair Justice Dateba a happy 80th birthday. May the good Lord continue to be your portion. We wish you long life and good health. You know, I'm not a lawyer, but when I when lawyers talk about this man, no. they, they, they sound reverential. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why, why is it that? Why no, no, no. Professor Dateba is distinguished. He's an authority. He's, he's, he's an absolute authority so, on the law. When, you know when you meet lawyers and they mention yeah. his name? <laughs> Dateba is like he's in the class of his yeah, own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a nice man too. Yeah, he's a nice despite, man. You know, despite despite like all his intellectual prowess, yeah, he's very easy yeah, to approach. Very relatable. You yes. cannot relate with him. Yeah. Very, Solid man, solid yeah. man. So you can call him an institution, right? Oh yeah, yeah that's right. It's, it's, that it's a within the Ghanaian legal space. I'm, t- I'm told sometimes when his some of his judgments are so deep and so thought provoking. Oh, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the law is developed not only by those who write it, as in Parliament, 
but also the the, the courts putting the law in action mm. and mm. it takes very solid jurists like him mm. to deconstruct the law My and God. simplify it Charlie. so that when they put together a judgment which you read and you understand it you, you know the reasoning leads you to a certain conclusion that look no. this one you can't say so much about wow. it yeah i mean it's one of those Good yes, morning to him. Happy okay. birthday, Justice Dateba. This is coming, of course, not from Kat. I join myself to that request. Yep. He is a really, really, really illuminating person to spend time really? with. A couple more. Happy 50th to Mr. Harry Boachi, CEO of HR Boachi Ventures. God continue to bless you abundantly on every side. And to David Asiwome Boahini, Artist Manager for Better Revival Choir. You celebrated your birthday on Saturday. Saturday 25th February from the entire Better Revival family praying for God's unmerited favor and love for you okay this one is going out to Mrs. Godliver Mame Johansson. Um, happy birthday uh, to you it's coming in uh, from Leona Salome and Kukui Hansen who are saying they love you so much and that may God bless you always and to feed those Jana Madi a happy birthday your birthday was on saturday cheers to a great year and many more wins you are the ceo of pans and grill at east legon boundary road fidaus jana madi and to bismarck aka osibo first atlantic bank happy birthday coming from fatima Um, so this one is coming in from Michael and he's wishing himself. Uh, so Michael, Dennis, <laughs> Aram, um, happy birthday to you. Um, this one is coming in from uh, someone who calls herself Mami Marianne. Says happy birthday to my daughter, Lois Mazi. All the best in the life ahead of you, my ride or die. Um, love you so much. And this one says that happy belated birthday to David Okay, I think you have done that one already. And Safe Life Consult, Safe Life Experience Consult is bringing you an unforgettable experience this Easter. Uh, get to experience a pilgrimage this Easter to Israel, to Rome, and to Dubai. You can visit Nazareth, Bethlehem, the Dead Sea, the Wailing Wall in Israel, the four basilicas of Italy, the city of Assisi. Celebrate Easter Sunday with the Pope. Safe Life Experience Consult as. Uh, various packages available to choose from and uh, these are Rome Dubai packages Israel Rome packages or Israel Dubai packages starting from 29th March to 16th April costs from 2,900 USD you can join our Dubai trip this Easter for only $7,000 give yourself your parents or loved ones a wonderful experience call 0550 that's 0550-400-444 locate our office at asylum down opposite delta security <coughs> terms and conditions apply all right i'm going to start with a quick thought around the ghana situation and um just to say that you know go for it, the the um imf deal looked very imminent mm. like a month ago when like the staff head of the staff team came here to, to give us an interview he said look we've done the review we are going to recommend that ghana gets the deal then we heard the u.s ambassador say that she would recommend to her government to support the deal we've had other members of the g8 say this so it seemed as if 
once we finish the domestic debt restructuring, we deal with the dom- external one, we'll get the IMF deal, and then things will move. But the German ambassador has been speaking and revealing a couple of things. So it appears mm. when the German delegation came saying? to Ghana, mm. the president requested the German finance minister to help talk to China. Because as you know, China holds the largest component of our external debt. And there can be no IMF deal if all our creditors do not come on board to agree to the debt restructuring. Now, it seems as if the Paris club creditors are singing from the same hymn sheet. The British, the French, the Germans, the Americans. But the Chinese are on a different tangent. And I am not too sure, maybe Godfrey can explain this, why the Germans... And the British and the Americans are, are asking the Chinese to be involved in this. Uh, but I want you to listen to the German ambassador. He spoke on two platforms. So he he spoke about the need for Ghana to do some important things. Things we've all said. Government should cut the cost according to its size. He spoke about the energy sector. He says, look, you can't be incurring debts of $1.5 billion per month in your energy sector and expect that you will come out of a fiscal hole. Drastic things need to happen. But he also says it's important that China gets involved in the debt conversation with Ghana. Otherwise, the deal, we should kiss the deal goodbye. Daniel Crow was speaking over the weekend. Basically, as I said, in, it will be in the, in, the, in the framework of existing cooperation. And we might be willing to consider some additional funds to be added. Um, uh, I mentioned the important part of... Um, uh, vocational training because uh, competitiveness is about skilled labor and uh, quality of the workforce um, especially if you look at competitiveness in the region so that's an important um, part of support and and secondly it's also about um, financial um, um, access to, to, to financing um, uh, the World Bank, jointly with uh, the German Development Bank KFW and the African Development Bank, supported Ghana in the setup of the Development Bank of Ghana. For us, this is the, uh, the key tool for supporting uh, the business sector. And um, we have supported the, the build-up of this bank. And uh, we hope that uh, this, will bank, uh, this bank will prove to be very, very helpful for the sector. And, and uh, we might be willing to look into uh, adding up this uh, financing window for this, uh, for this bank. Well, of course, it depends very much on what kind of expenditures you're looking at. And there are cert- I'm, I'm, I'm convinced uh, um, this is true for... for if I, if I look at the budget of the German foreign ministry of the German government, uh, I'm convinced there, there are important parts that can be cut without uh, uh, hurting the economic development. And I'm, I'm, I'm convinced, without going into details, this also is true for Ghana. Um, uh, there are certainly uh, expenditures that, are, that can be uh, um, uh, lowered uh, substantially and make, make an important impact. And it has, and has to be part of, uh, uh, of the package. I mean, I, I cannot go out to the international community and say I need help, but I'm not willing to cut my own, bu- my, my own budget expenditures. I have to be careful not to cut um, uh, in the social expenditures that are uh, um, destroying, um, uh, destroying lives and families. Um, uh, I have to be, be um, very careful not to uh, take measures that might uh, uh, negatively impact the um, the, the economic uh, growth, 
Um, but I'm convinced there are many, many, many expenditures that could be looked very, very carefully at and can could be could be lowered substantially. So that part of the voice was about the need for Ghana to cut its budget. And he mentions that the Germans, even in his own budget, he knows that there are parts of their budget they can cut, which will not affect their development. So he thinks that should be same for Ghana. But he also wants to say that the $3 billion deal bailout being sought from the IMF is in danger of not being approved if China fails to agree to a debt relief package. Now, speaking at the same event, Mr. Crow said China has so far rejected, and I feel this is a very important mm. angle, has so far rejected attempts by officials from Ghana to engage them to commit to setting up a creditors committee for an agreement of a debt package. Then immediately he says, the president of Ghana on April the, th- on, uh, sorry, February the 3rd, urged Germany to, quote unquote, encourage China as an ad hoc, an ad hoc member of the Paris Club to support Ghana's debt restructuring efforts. The president made the call when a visiting German finance minister, Christian Linder, called on him at the Jubilee House in Accra. Then finance minister Ken Ofreata on Thursday disclosed that government's planned high-level meeting with Chinese creditors over Ghana's debt restructuring had been postponed to late March, raising some eyebrows. According to him, this was due to upcoming People's National Congress of China, which was scheduled for early March. But Mr. Crow has disclosed that other creditors will only play their part and help if China... The biggest creditor to Ghana agrees to the debt relief package. Uh, Godfrey, this is some weird. Well, <laughs> some weird. In, in, in five minutes, the issues are multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, for watchers of um, this particular space, they will tell you that there's always been disagreements between the Paris Club and its members mm-hmm. and China on mm-hmm. how to operate on debt relief mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm. The Paris Club framework has its own rules. China has its own rules. Mm. Now, on the p- comments made by, on the postponement, for instance, that of, came of the me- meeting, of the meeting, China, the, the adults have said China always prefers to set its own timetable. Mm. Okay. And if you look at um, some of the arrangements that they've tried to do, so for instance, under this framework, we've had Chad, Ethiopia, Ghana, and Zambia apply. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them have been pretty slow. In fact, we are the last to apply. And we are trying to move at record speed. Okay. If you look at Ethiopia and their issues, they've had that uh, civil war you know, kind of upset things. But even just over the weekend, mm-hmm. which, which I found interesting, they managed to get their ambassador in China to sit down with Liu Kun who's the Chinese finance minister, someone who's very difficult to get into a room. Mm-hmm. They basically <laughs> managed to get him into oh, a room. Oh, so the Ethiopian uh, finance ministry has yes, got the high committee, their ambassador in China, to sit down with the finance minister to discuss wow. their issues. The Chinese ambassador? The, the Chinese, Chinese finance, finance minister, minister in Beijing, yes. Okay. You know, uh, to discuss their issues. Um, Zambia's own is been going on very slowly for some time now as you would well mm-hmm. uh, understand considering the fact that Chinese creditors hold 31% of Zambia's external debt mm-hmm. and they've been trying to fix this but a few things underline the difficulties um, Aloski first I would talk about is even the differences between the Chinese and the West on exactly how burden shedding uh, burden sharing should be implemented between the different types of lending institutions. Now, the classification of a commercial lender mm-hmm. in China and the kind of debt that they hold and the classification of a commercial lender in the West is very different. So, for instance, China will put China is classifying 
CDB, Exim Bank as commercial loans. Exactly. Okay. Even now, though they are both are owned by the Chinese, Chinese government, state, yes. and that puts their loans in the official supported category. As far as the West is concerned, the West will read this differently. Mm-hmm. So, how do we come to this now? The China will tell you that well, we are more exposed at this particular point. So, um, they feel that uh, coming to the table under these terms is a bit difficult for them. Mm-hmm. All right. Then uh, there's also the issue of transparency, and that even comes from our side. Mm-hmm. Because most of the times, if you would recall, one of the biggest criticisms of the Ghanaian uh, government was the fact that they were not very clear with their numbers. And it's not just them. A lot of data countries really fidget with their numbers. They don't want to give you a really clear image of a really clear picture of how much they owe. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, it becomes a bit of a problem between uh, China and the West. Who owes who how much? Mm-hmm. Where are the liabilities? How much, who are we collecting it from? Who is more exposed to who? All right. So there is that one. And then uh, China also very, very uncomfortable with the role played by the IMF together with the World Bank, you know, as an independent arbiter in this whole system. Mm-hmm. Um, if you understand the structure of Chinese governance, they don't like to be told how to work. Mm-hmm. They set their own rules. Now, they've worked under some of these frameworks before. I think uh, the initial debt framework that they did in 2020. Mm-hmm. China participated and, for, and suspended quite a significant amount of debt. I think something original of $80 billion or so. Mm-hmm. But under the current framework that exists, uh, they feel like you have to be able to set your own rules. They have to follow their own things and they like to work on their own timetables. So it leaves a lot of... You would then... It would then clear the situation where somebody will say, why does Ghana need Germany to go and talk to China, considering that Ghana has had very healthy diplomatic relations The other other point I needed to add was that in the recent um, G20 debt conversations, where the G20 nations were negotiating with China about global debts, Sri Lanka and Zambia debts were discussed, the Chinese were basically demanding that when the World Bank gives you a loan, when the IMF gives you a loan, this should also be restructured. restructured yes. Now, the Americans obviously reject this. this the yes. World Bank have rejected the idea. They are saying that this kind of haircut that their debts would be treated to would undermine the credibility of those institutions. But the Chinese see the World Bank IMF as appendages of the Western West, system. Particularly the Americans. So, they are not necessarily going to encourage... And this is, we are bringing this to just to know that the economic map that has been laid out and a lot of noise we made a lot of things. on the debt exchange has gone quiet... But the point I'm making is that that announcement by the finance minister last week that his meeting with the Chinese had been postponed is a big red flag. For those of us watching independently, we feel like this this may prolong our likelihood of, of, of getting of, the yes, IMF. IMF. Yes. So if there's any pain to be endured, I mean, the assumption is that the IMF deal brings on relief. That's the assumption everybody's been given. That relief, that, that paracetamol will come much later. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, even if it's going to cure the problem at all. So the, the, there's a global, and this is not a Ghana disagreement. So no, we, no, we just no. need to make the point that, the, 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 and this is the, the thing, our debts have moved in two ways. Have, our debts have moved from west to east, and our debts have also moved from concessionary to non-concessionary. Those are the two big things that have happened to our debts. So 20 years ago, we owed just western countries. Now we owe a lot of debts to the eastern people. Number two, 20 years ago, our debts were purely government type debts concessionary debts they give you the money they can do development aid to forgive you now you owe corporate institutions and financial institutions which are banks and private now those two factors complicate our debt situation 
so the reality on the ground is that the imf deal may take a longer time to reach if you if what the german ambassador is saying is to be believed now what that means is that government still has a lot more work to do which is why the german ambassador is saying that look diamond do may not come anytime soon and the government still has to go back and cut its budget mm-hmm. which is what people have been saying from the beginning of the whole conversation mm-hmm. which does not appear to have been heeded to as clearly as people expect yeah. so things will not improve for some time at least on the issue of debt restructuring haircuts government cutting its expenditure everybody saying don't touch my money and when the deal will come through mm. it's going to take a much longer time i think that's the whole point yeah. here yeah it, it, it. just a final question will the germans succeed because the president in february the third urged the german finance minister to talk to his chinese counterparts to see inside for ghana basically now if i look at global geopolitics last week the chinese foreign minister was in Ge- was in russia having a conversation obviously about the ukraine or other issues and i'm not sure how china does its foreign policy but you you know this better than i do China and Russia are allies globally. Global, yeah. Now, Ghana's position is very clearly pro-Western when it comes to the Ukraine war. Right? So, if you look at the kind of comments the Russian embassy in Ghana has been putting out when we blame the Russian invasion of Ukraine for our problems, the Russian embassy has been very forthright debunking those. Yeah. So, my point is, what will, China's in, will China have... I don't think China has an interest in easing our move to the IMF deal. If I look at all that's happening globally, I, I don't think China has anything to gain to say, well, let's, ha- let's hire Ghanaians to an IMF deal. Because their main ally may not necessarily even want Ghana to get any closer. Do you get me? So, if that, realize, that maybe be, I'm putting too many things together. Yes. I'm putting I, I too many things together. I think that might be a bit of a stretch. Okay. In, because just, I think, Thursday or Friday, China issued a 12-point memorandum mm. on what must be done to bring peace between Russia and the ukraine and mm-hmm. if you look at the language of it if you read it in mandarin mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, if you read it in if you translate it to english it reads a bit differently but mm-hmm. if you tra- read it in mandarin the language was a bit straightforward um, with what it wanted out of russia and if you've been following the conversations it wasn't very happy with although it did not say so publicly its language has always shown that it wasn't very happy with the fact that um, they were not engaged on the invasion of Ukraine by somebody that they considered their utmost partner. Now, again, if you look at the new face of China that Xi Jinping is pushing under this leg of his administration, he is trying to push a far, a big brother uh, chaser of global peace kind of agenda. Mm. Okay, so I do not think... You don't to take, to take a, a, a to partisan take side. No, not necessarily. Mm. But what is, what, what is at stake here it's mm. the points that you raised in your first part mm. where the West and the East basically must come to an understanding of the West's position, Lema's language. If we, we will not take haircuts, because everybody understands what haircuts, we will not take haircuts that African countries should go and use to pay China. That's the main That's the fear. thing. <clears throat> you understand? And China is also saying, well, you also need, we will also not take on rules and guidelines that we are not a part of that do not suit our agenda and our 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 yeah. our, our credit to the Ghanaians is as legitimate as yours, as yours. As any which others. is why you would realize that China prefers meeting one bilaterals rather than multilateral. So, hence, like the conversation I just spoke to you about this weekend, the Ethiopian High Commissioner or Ethiopian Ambassador meeting Lukun in Beijing 
under the guise of an economic meeting, but obviously we all know that what is high on the agenda is Charlie, the thing how far. Mm-hmm. Because they actually do need some movement on this. But it has slowed down based on all these little, little technicalities, these little descriptions of what is a commercial loan, mm-hmm. uh, what is the classification of this. And also, let, there are significant Western interests at play. Let's, uh, BlackRock, Glencore, you would know some of what these asset management companies do and how much money they are owed. And again, that combination between state and private debt, these are significant conversations that must be had before movements must take place. So we wish the finance minister, but hopefully he can get that match, uh, is, is match he was given. Hopefully that match date based on this. Uh, but I, 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 the thing also is this. If China moves quick for Ghana, there must be equity. It means it must move quickly for Chad. It must move quickly for Ethiopia. It must move quickly for Zambia. Or Ghana, must, or Ghana must move quickly on something, on for, something China. for China to move. Which which could then be the bauxite. You Who know. knows what it is. So it, it's an interesting time, like you said, but um, important thing that you took note of the fact that that push to march under the, with the excuse that there's a meeting happening in China. Legitimately, there could be. A, there is a meeting happening. Let me put it that way. But as to whether, like I said, somebody found a way to get a meeting on so Sunday. So the, the Ethiopians <laughs> managed to meet the Chinese but this week. The, get the, the person in who matters. Irrespective of the, the match thing. The, yeah, they got him into a room to go and say, oh, Charlie, what's up? Although they said they organized, it was, there was a bigger conference that was organized by Ethiopia and China. But the main meeting, it, it was interesting that it was Liu Kun who attended that meeting. To, you, you understand what I'm saying? So, and this is the same person that I'm sure our finance minister was going to meet when, okay. if he went to Beijing. Well, that's for what that's worth. Keep an eye on this story. City News will be pursuing it throughout the week. 801 Tech and Social Media Trends next brought to you by Vodafone. The Vodafone One Ghana promo is here. With just one city, you can walk. You can have 20 minutes talk time to all other networks and one gig of data every day between 5 a.m. and 11.59 a.m. Simply dial star 530 hash subscribe and enjoy longer conversations and browsing. The Vodafone One Ghana promo is the best value offer in town. It's easy on your pocket. Save big when you subscribe to the One Ghana promo daily. Wake up to great value and every morning with only one Ghana CD. Vodafone Feather together. And don't let the stress of planning the burial and funeral service of your loved one detract you from bidding your final goodbyes. Let Car Bank take charge of collecting the funeral donations while you take care of the rest. Car Bank is our collection platform. It is a real-time online collection platform. Helps you easily manage all donations, whether it's cash, check, or digital. You instantly receive an alert whenever any donation is made and you get a detailed statement to see all donations made. It's easy, convenient, safe, and secure. Call toll-free 0800-500-500 or chat with us online on our social media platforms or on WhatsApp. You can also log on to carbank.net to do more. Carbank forward together. So, Nathan will give us the segment for this morning. Nathan, so what's the trend? Well, um, you can imagine a few things. So, a lot of things. Really. So, two broad themes. One on the Nigerian election mm-hmm. and then the sport-based um, trend. So, uh, if you go on Twitter, for example, Peter Obi is trending. Tinobu is trending. Hashtag election result is trending. Mm-hmm. And other things, Nigeria mm-hmm. and related themes are trending as well. And then you have uh, on the sporting side tweets 
Uh, you know, people talking about Chelsea, mm-hmm. people talking about the Carabao Cup final. Mm-hmm. The basketball fans are talking about Clay Thompson. Uh, what has he, he done? Well, he was big for the Golden State Warriors. They won and he top scored about 40 plus points. There's Damian Lillard as well. He scored 71 points. Wow. 71 points for the Portland Trail Blazers. How and is then, that even possible? In one game? In one game. Like, yeah. what, I mean, <laughs> what, what is he on? <laughs> Whatever he's on. So how many points the whole team gets? I mean, 71 <laughs> points, one player. Yeah. You God. know, so Damian Lillard is trending mm-hmm. as well. A lot of our Graham Potter, a lot of the sport-related themes. Mm-hmm. It, to some tech news, and Nokia, or as they say, Nokia, has announced plans to change its brand identity for the first time in nearly 60 years. Mm. Now, they want to bring a new logo as the telco or telecom equipment maker focuses on aggressive growth. Mm. The new logo comprises five different shapes forming the word Nokia, mm-hmm. and the iconic blue color of the old logo has been dropped for a range of colors depending on the use. Mm. Now, Chief Executive Pekka Lundmark told Reuters in an interview that, quote, there was the association to smartphones, and nowadays we are a business technology company, end mm. quote. Okay. Unleashing the power of relevant radio. This is City 97.3. The shadows came to dance The nighttime got in on plans Busy buddies, so busy Moving giddy giddy Beautiful chaos You go see a feely feely Hurry hurry Okay wait Go slow Fast pace Between confused and amused Despite sense in my rear view Little kitty wants your care for you And I think it's best too We can pass it with you And you lost your innocence In a sense you are rude And you're over intense How can I blame you? And life is a puzzle And they left you no clues The whole system on hold up Even the adults know be grown up We all just different That means for us 8 City Breakfast Show And uh, we're taking you to Nigeria shortly Before this A uh, couple of quick announcements now, Bianca Company Limited, the leading frozen foods company in Ghana, is at it again. And we are proud to add to our list of amazing brands. In support of the local poultry industry and in promoting made in Ghana goods, we introduce a tasty locally produced bread and slaughtered. A tasty is fresh frozen chicken and comes freshly portioned in chicken breast, thighs, wings, back, and gizzard. La Bianca is a sole distributor of a tasty. You can call them on 0505. 431111 for more inquiries. La Bianca, your number one frozen foods company. Now, did you miss out on the January admission? Worry not. Heritage Christian University College is offering you the opportunity to join our April 2023 intake with a 50% waiver for fresh students. The university has since 2018 giving a sum of 300,000 CDs as a startup grant to a number of its students to start their own businesses through the Startup Challenge. Now, HCC has intentionally built a technology environment in which our students do not need to buy books before they can study. All they need is a laptop. Find HCC at Amasaman behind the Olympic Stadium and is affiliated to KNUST and is accredited by GTEC. Call them on 0547 777 or 0202 298 
399 Heritage Christian College and University Training Compassionate Entrepreneurial Leaders. Galamse must stop whether you are a chief, a farmer, a soldier, or a policeman, DC, politician, or businessman. Why do you destroy environment and individual livelihood to all keep? You keep lining your pocket. You say you love the country, but you keep selling a precious rich farmland and emptying the country of its price. Coco. You call yourself a patriot, but you're causing deforestation, loss of habitation, as well as water, air, and soil pollution through the release of toxic chemicals. This Galamse thing must stop. It's time to speak up and finally put an end to illegal mining. There are more responsible mining methods under the National Alternative Employment and Livelihood Program. Message inspired by the Ministry of Lands and Resources and the Minerals Commission of Ghana. And here is reminding all VAT, NHL, and Get Fund registered businesses that the res- returns for January should be submitted not later than 28 February, which is the last working day of the month. Failure to make the payment, you will result in a penalty of 500 CDs for VAT NHL Get Fund and two and 2,000 CDs for uh, CST operators. Log on to the taxpayersportal.com or dial star triple two hash or go to the Ghana.gov platform for more information. Hashtag our taxes are future. We're taking you back to Nigeria. Uh, last Friday, we started off a conversation with one of our journalist colleagues there talking about the election build-up. This uh, weekend, Nigerians went to election, 93.5 million voters and uh, 18 presidential candidates. There were other levels of election, three front runners. And um, first, let's hear from a lady who was interviewed on Arise TV. She is the coordinator of what is called the Observer Situation Room, or oh, they 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 are they are like the the Codeo, <laughs> if if you want, <laughs> they, are, they are like the Codeo. It's Kodeo. it's she's called the Mma Odi, and she was she was speaking. She was she's a co-convener of the Situation Room for Nigerian Civil Society Organizations. So very similar to our Situation Room here. Mm. And um, she was interviewed by Rubin Abati on on um, Arise TV. Rubin Abati is a, a former Minister of Communications under the uh, Jonathan government. He's a TV journalist as well. Here's the, a brief overview of uh, this the woman's uh, uh, her, her views on the election in terms of the conduct of the first two days so this is saturday into sunday okay yesterday we just issued another press release now nigerian civil society situation room which is also in line with what we issued yesterday uh, yesterday we went to observe i have to start from my point before coming to uh, nigerian civil society situation room a report from across the country and our network of observers. We went round before it. We went to so many. Uh, we went to over 20 pulling units in the morning before 8:30. We didn't cite any INEC personnel or material. It was when we got to Kabusa registration area that we saw many INEC uh, 
vehicles to voting to to go to their pulling units and we saw a pulling unit uh, of annex in that kabusa registration area that has 1916 registered voters they have their materials they have their personnel but they didn't bother to even set up and when i i, I was uh, snapping pictures of what was going. He said, please, madam, leave here. I said, I can't leave here. You are here. You refuse to start. I have to make reports to, to Nigerian civil society situation. And even while we were complaining of Abuja, the situation of Southeast was so bad that at the point we issued the release, only 6% of entire Southeastern Nigeria where I make um, personnel and materials were deployed to only 6% um, areas, uh, pulling units. And the, the worst is that the Okwara uh, Avenue, that is opposite, opposite uh, ANEC office in Enugu, there was no ANEC personnel, no ANEC material. Till up to 11 a.m. And even 12 p.m. in the midday. So, and we don't know this. And you, the sub, that this ANEC called, uh, this is the worst election I have observed since 1999. I've never seen the things I saw yesterday in the field. When they come late, the personnel, they first of all take their time to post things, post things on the wall. After they will take another time to come and do voter education for voters who have been waiting since 7 a.m. Say how you will queue, how you will vote. After they have finished as planning, then they will start accreditation if the device is working. The next thing they will say, ink has finished. And this is the most expensive relation, almost a trillion. Not even the money from donor agencies. And we cannot understand or explain what happened yesterday. They may see who would rule a saint. And I never knew that we have to come to a time in our lives that when we will who is even a reproach and a byword in Nigerian electoral system will become a saint. Yesterday it happened. Yesterday it happened. By 12, a former NLC president were calling situation room that in the whole of Medjugorje, they didn't cite ANEC or personnel. At that point, they were going from pulling unit to pulling unit. The same call we were receiving all over. People were saying, what can we do? And people are the most... A significant thing that we witnessed yesterday is the people, Nigerians came in the southeast, despite the threats of insecurity, they came as early as 5 a.m. and they sat there. Many of the people, people started going there around 12, uh, 2 p.m., 2.30 p.m. When the polls supposed to have closed, that when they started going in pockets of places. We are, if I will send the report which just issued, 13, state, 13 states, many of the pulling units were, they didn't even see our neck personal materials till the end of yesterday. And we are, uh, that is where our observers observed. Because we have only 2,520 observers um, from our network of observers. But we have 196 points uh, pulling units. 
So many of those places we don't have observers. We don't even know what happened there. So Anek has to give us, compile the list of the three units across the country where they didn't organize the election yesterday or where talks disrupted the elections so that they will organize elections in those pulling units because Nigerians cannot be so changed. And this is the limit we will have. Enough is enough. We can't have a rule in 21st century. It's not possible. It will appear as if why the report of the situation room is close to that of Yaga, which is also an observer uh, group monitoring the election. The uh, Center for Democracy and Development seems to have a slightly more positive approach uh, in terms of assessing the election in their own preliminary report. Is it possible that the various observer groups observed different elections and arrived at different conclusions? I would like to ask you that. And the second thing is about the loading, the uploading of results to the uh, INEC, uh, IREV, what INEC calls IREV. We were told that by 11.35 yesterday, INEC was already uploading results. But by 7 a.m. this morning, some people reported that INEC was no longer uploading, and whatever INEC uploaded overnight or yesterday night had disappeared out of about 20,000 uh, results uh, that was, you know, as, uh, submitted uh, yesterday after the end of uh, polls. Do you have any information in this regard about the uploading of results? Okay, um, after I spoke, somebody from that end were trying to defend INEC. Actually, would have loved to defend INEC. Because when I saw when we saw Beavers, an electoral out of year 2022, we were overjoyed. And when we followed that number of uh, 6th of November year 2021, when we saw result uploaded on time in uh, Oka, and when we followed to Ekiti, eighteenth of June year 2022, and July of Osho State Governorship election, by midnight, by 9 p.m. actually, the results have over 98 percent have been uploaded in Oka with all the security challenges in Ekiti, in Osho last July. Then the person defending INEC is it the compromised INEC personnel? that made ANEC not to approve the result of elections of yesterday. So I just want to put the questions on the table. Because you can defend ANEC all you care. But the things we saw in the field yesterday, and we were getting reports, even those from who are not our observers, thinking that there is a way we can help them. And we were calling ANEC, we want to escalate the issues. They were not picking calls on, on like in the past when they do. So we can defend INEC. When INEC did well in Osho, we didn't hesitate to defend them. When they operated the result to their result portal, we did not hesitate to defend them. But when you saw what went on yesterday, are you still to defend INEC? You are enemy of Nigeria. And you are and observer groups that are observing and thinking they are protecting INEC. They are Yahoo Yahoo observers. Excuse and because me. they do not know that this democracy costs blood. Uh, I said they are Yahoo Yahoo observers. No, are yes. you talking about CDD? I specifically mentioned Center for Democracy and Development. Are you calling them Yahoo Yahoo observers? Whether it's 
whether it's the, the CDG that is even partnering with Arise or other observer groups, any observer group that says, no, Yane perform well with any grammar they use on it, it's a Yahoo Yahoo observer. It's a, because we saw re reports from citizens themselves, and we saw citizens who come out to vote who went back home after 9 p.m. without starting an echo materials across the country. And you now come and sit down, you that didn't even visit any polling unit. I said everything was okay. I make in your tried and others. Okay, is it how we we came here? The people who formed the first observation group, Transmission TMG, were those who fought for democracy. It wasn't cheap. It was gotten by the blood of Nigerians in the streets of Lagos. And people who are looking for whom to endorse and call themselves observer group. And comes the observing Fanek for government for political parties and candidates. And come after seeing what people went through yesterday with all the crisis of no money and insecurity, kidnappings and everything happening. And you have confidence to say that you, that this INEC performed. Ah, you are enemy of Nigeria. And my Bible told me in the second book of Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 6, God, it is a righteous sin unto God to repair with tribulations them that trouble us. How can you confidently say that the thing that happened yesterday, in my polling unit, very close to Sun City in Abuja, they were voting till 9 p.m. They were voting. It was even this morning we saw results. Our observers slept in the polling units in Abuja. And you have confidence to say everything is all right. Then there is something wrong with you as a person and as a group. There is something fundamentally wrong with you. So I am actually saying it's not only seeded. Any other mercenary group or Yahoo Yahoo group that said Alec did well yesterday and Alec you did not do well. You are a big disappointment. You need to do well in this election, of election result because that is what will determine whether we will accept this your result or reject it. Because okay. we have been in the field. We have been in, we fought for this democracy. We cannot allow anybody or institution to come and take us for a ride. We are not jokers. We have to, we fought the military without anything. We will fight our neck. We will fight our neck. We cannot take it. So, yes, they want. They even upload their result. Suddenly, they create it up to go and manufacture their own. Whatever they are doing, we are watching. And our the press conference this morning centers also on this uploading of results. Many of their personnel refuse to even upload the result or press it according to the law. The law says you must press it. They refuse to press it. And is it a political party that bought them? Nobody bought them. The way they were behaving yesterday was the, the, somebody that they was calculated, were intentioned, uh, organized crime to ensure that citizens are denied their vote and voice. And okay, ma'am. We'll come back That's to you shortly. That's what I saw yesterday. And many people saw it in the field. So that was the co-convener of the Nigerian Situation Room CSO platform, Maodi, speaking on Arise News uh, yesterday. She was really livid, complaining about the conduct of the election in terms of uh, the uh, availability of voter materials, the conduct of INEC officials, and also the the general delay in uploading results onto the server. On Friday, we spoke to Gloria Essien, a journalist in Nigeria. She set the scene for us. And she made some interesting predictions that she felt that the North would go for Atiku because they were speaking with their eye, even though the political machine that supports Bola Tinubu is strong in the North. 
she also said Peter Obi was bound to do well. But of course, Bola Ametinubu is the incumbent. Results have started trickling in, and from the way we know, some state results. Nigeria has 36 states, so all the 36 states results must be put together, then you know the, the eventual picture. But for example, we're told that Ekiti State, which is in the southwest, has been won by uh, Bola Ametinubu. Um, we are also s- told that in Lagos, it's a neck to neck race between Peter Obi and Bola Ametinubu for Lagos State, which is the largest state. We are also told, for example, that uh, Atiku has taken a strong lead in his home state of Adamawa and that he has won Katina State, which is a state in the north that the current president is from. All right. So any surprises so far in terms of the, the results? But let's start with the conduct of the election and the complaints about INEC. Uh, Gloria, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you, Ben. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. So, in terms of the, the voting on Saturday and into Sunday, how has it been? From what we are observing, it looks like a number of problems have occurred and INEC is, is under scrutiny. Yeah, the voting went well in a lot of places. As usual, Nigeria is a very large country. In some other places, there were some pockets of um, problems. But INEC is on top of the situation. In, but what about the issue of uploading results onto the the server? There appears to be some anxious wait. Is there a delay or is this normal? There's a serious delay in the uploading of the result on the IREC because we were told that um, from the beavers to the IREC is going to be uh, from here to there, like it wouldn't take time. But since after the election on Saturday, as we speak, it is only one state election that has been announced so far. That's a kitty state, like you said, rightly said, in southwest Nigeria. Other states are yet to get to to INEC, but they are reconvening today at 11 a.m. So we hope that as a, by the time they come back at 11, we'll have more states. What are the political have been very slow. What are the political parties saying? I, I think the PDP held a press conference earlier. Are they jittery? Are they the PDP, what are the they press saying? Press conference is still on. Hmm? They are calling on INEC to immediately announce the results. Yesterday the Labour Party where Mr. Pito B belongs was saying they should cancel the election because from the delay in uploading the results, a lot of things are going down. The APC has not said anything about it yet, but all the, the major political parties are calling out INEC to make sure that the results are uploaded immediately. But in terms of the results we've seen, as you said, the officially declared one is the AKT result. And we understand Bola Ametinubu won. Any surprises there? Did the numbers tell us anything mm-hmm. we did not know prior to this election? I didn't get that. So I'm saying Mr. Tinubu has won. And I'm asking whether there's any surprise there and whether the, the nature of the results tells us anything we did not know already about the election. No, 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 no. It doesn't tell anything we didn't know. It's in southwest Nigeria. And Mr. Bola Tinubu is, is from that region. So like we discussed on Friday, those results from those regions where he must always take the lead from what we thought but right now hello hello gloria hello gloria if you can repeat your answer 
All right, so we, we, we reconnect with her. We're trying to get her back. There was a, a small um, hitch in the line. So a lot of the media portals are sort of telling you who's leading where. But the official result, as announced, only Ekiti State is out, which is one of the seven or so states, Oshun State, Ondo State, Oyo State, Ogun State, Ekiti State, and uh, Lagos State. Mm -hmm. This is all Southwest strong um, base, if you want, for Mr. Bola Metinubu. The results we are seeing, for example, that Katsina has been won by Atiku is not official. That's the result that the, 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 the media agencies are putting out. That he's taking a strong lead in Adamawa, his home state. He's won Katsina state. He's leading Kaduna state. So it, it would appear as though the northern states would go for uh, Atiku. The projection yes. show that. Yes, but I, I wanted to bring Gloria back because we lost her on the line to sort of clarify the, the, the point because the only result that is official is Ekiti State and uh, indeed the EC will reconvene at 10 o'clock GMT. So the INEC of Nigeria will probably address the press mm. in an hour and a half mm -hmm. for us to know the, the situation. You've been observing yourself. What are your own thoughts? Well, I am really... Um if you like, fascinated by what I'm hearing from Nigeria, because this was built to be um, the cleanest of all elections they were expecting to happen within the the country of Nigeria, following recent chaos um, over elections and all of that. But it would seem that all the reforms have happened, new laws have been passed to make the elections or the process cleaner there are still serious issues that would need to be addressed I'll all right back to yeah gloria we lost you earlier so you were saying that uh Ekiti, it was expected for bola ahmed Tinubu to win so no surprises there you are developing that point when i lost you so if you can just wrap up that point well because um Ekiti is a state in the southwest is a yoruba state and this election this year seems like it almost tilted towards um religion ethnicity and all that so it, it, winning it, it is not a surprising thing but how but we, we are waiting for other how other but how well did how well did how well did peter obi and <laughs> atiku do in equity state did their performance say anything about what they could potentially do in the other states Yeah, um, they did very well too. Just that they were running. Even uh, Bola Tinubu got over two hundred thousand, and the next figure after him is the PDP. That's Atiku Abubakar who got eighty nine, then Labour eleven. So the margin was really much. Mm. Some media channels are reporting, for example, yeah. that um, Mister. Uh, um, Atiku has won Katsina State, which is the, the home state of the incoming president, um, Muhadu Buhari. These are not official results, are they? Gloria, did you get the question? Yeah, those, those, those results are there. They are in the social media. The social media has been publishing a lot of results. But even the casino results that we have seen, you will see that Bolatinubu gave Atiku very close, it was a very close shave. It's not, the margin was not much at all for what we are seeing on the social media because I like has not announced. So it means that, like, it happened in AQT, he would take the lead in the, in the Southwest, 
while well, I think we we'll take the lead in the south, in the in the northern part of the country, people will be have already collected the, the southeast. So we are now going to wait for INEC to collect the results and do the mathematics of 25% and all that and all that. We are told, however, that Obi is leading in Lagos. And that I'm indeed I'm on Channels Television's website and their lead story says Obi Lagos is an offshoot of MSAS protest. So it shouldn't because be it, so it shouldn't be surprising it shouldn't be surprising for Obi to be Lagos. Those youth there actually are, are followers and supporters of Obi. No, no, it's not surprising. It's not surprising at all. I see. So by which time will a clear picture begin to emerge? Is that what? By which time will a clearer picture begin to emerge? Will it be 11 o'clock local time when the INEC reconvenes? Or are you to wait for a couple more days? I think it might take a couple of days, but the collection center will open today at 11 a.m. Let's see how many states have been able to to impute their results and get to Abuja to, for the announcement. But I think it's going to take a couple more days than what we expected because it's really very slow. All right, so we'll wait and then connect with you again when the INEC... Uh, reopens their their collation center. Thank you very much, Gloria Isian. She's a journalist in Nigeria speaking to us. So no surprises there. The main state that is out is Akiti mm-hmm. State Southwest, and then even the results that are coming out, Lagos that Obi is doing well is not surprising because his base is also supposed to be there as well. And the the point he makes, which I think we should focus on, is that Bola Metinobu is doing well in the north, even though Atiku is winning. Mm-hmm. So if that's anything to go by. Mm-hmm. It looks like the incumbent seems to have had an early advantage. That's mm-hmm. the impression I get mm-hmm. from the conversation. I don't know what that, that's the impression all of you get. Yeah. The incumbent seems to have taken, has an early advantage. Yeah. Although Peter Obi's performance is also quite impressive. Yep. Yep. As is, yep. uh, yeah. it, it seems as if ultimately the two opposition parties will cancel each other out and the incumbent may just win. Because <laughs> for, for, for a lot of places, if you, if, you, if you add the number of the two of them, mm-hmm. at least from the places that I've seen, then that would have probably significantly challenged the incumbent. Mm-hmm. So he may sort of go through because the two opposition parties cancel themselves out. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, of course. I mean, that happens a lot. We see that even locally, where, for instance, you have an independent candidate emerge to challenge you know, the established candidate, uh, maybe from the opposition party or the ruling party. And by reason of that you know, split, they split the votes, and the person who will be less favoured uh, in the circumstances gets to win you know that's the permutation that many people are putting up mm. that what's likely to happen is is, is is exactly a situation where peter will be because of the influence that he has developed over the youth uh, will get a chunk of the votes and we are beginning to see that i mean if you see the scrolls that are coming across the television channels mm-hmm. he's doing fairly well mm-hmm. for someone who has just shown up in the sense of just shown up mm-hmm. uh, and 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 is performing well of course there is also a huge expectation that um you know uh, bola tinubu and uh, atiku would also face off mm. because of the established nature of the two of them for mm. instance atiku is a former vice president mm. this is the sixth time he's running for office as president mm. he's not made it bola tinubu a former governor and also his reputation as someone mm. who's helped to reshape lagos as a state 
and given his own you know entrained position within the party he represents which is the mm. what do you call it the APC. yeah I'm, I'm getting some results i just wanted to run by you so if you go to channels they're talking about tinubu triumphs in ogun of course this is not ec projections yes but this is the a credible media house is saying that uh, registered voters 2.6 million um total number of votes cast 611,000. now they're saying that the um according to INEC in ogun state mm -hmm. apc candidate bola metunubu so this is a different state than the state ogun state which is the home state of olusegun obasanjo yeah you had two million registered voters yes so two point i mean don't forget that the last election nigeria voter turnout was 35 percent yeah so if you have 85 million register 93 million register voters, 35 percent of that is like 30 something million mm -hmm. so don't be surprised that you have two million registered voters but total votes cast six hundred thousand. yeah but th even this one listening to you know reports over the weekend the suggestion was that there was heavy turnout across the country now so if we are seeing six hundred thousand out of two million nexus of two million that's that's that, but that two million should well i don't know so let me just give you that the numbers i have here mm -hmm. so you have the apc candidate bola metinubu three forty one thousand five hundred fifty four votes that's about half of the votes mm -hmm. the cast pdp's article one twenty three thousand that's about half of tinubu's numbers mm -hmm. and then third place is peter obi eighty five thousand and then um somebody called adc who got ten thousand mm -hmm. rabiu kwan kwan so got two thousand all right so now okay. total number of votes cast is eleven thousand mm -hmm. with five hundred eighty thousand valid votes and so again a stronghold of bola metinubu he gets about half of 50 percent of the votes okay then we're told if you go to another state um katina state which i made reference to earlier and that state is a state that is the home state of the current president we are told that article wins that state and i'm just going to read that story for you so article defeats tinubu in katina state and uh, they had the numbers he pulled 489,045 votes tinubu got 482,000 oh, so only 7,000 difference that's really close. so the difference is 6,700 uh, pdp's article defeats tinubu in katina state Results were announced by Muazu Abubakar, Katina State's returning officer. Now, Katina is the home state of President Buhari, a member of APC. Also the home state of the vice presidential candidate of APC, Ibrahim uh, Masari. He was the placeholder before uh, Shetima was brought in. Atiku pulled 489,000. Tinubu 482,000. Rabiu Kwankwansu got 69,000, the former Kano State governor. And obi was nowhere to be seen there yeah, <laughs> right and so you have um then there's another state that that's coming in we're told that this is the state that is uh being counted so that's kaduna state kaduna state is also in the northwest and it's uh, a state which is in the north we are told that atiku has taken the lead in kaduna but the, the results are not yet fully out so again it shouldn't be surprising what you see in kaduna state and then of course you have the uh, lagos situation where we are told that peter obi is slightly leading bula metinubu <laughs> of all people yeah. yeah but she explains that because lagos is um 
where Lagos is where the youth, the cosmopolitan middle classes who are basically tired of the political establishment are voting. So let me just read the story. Uh, at the moment, APC's Bola Tinubu has won 10 local government areas, while Obi cleans Ikeja, the state capital, and half a dozen other local government areas. So he has seven, and then Tinubu has 10. So INEC has begun collision of results for February 25 election in Lagos State. And the results for 17 of the state's 20 local government areas as at 3.40 a.m. on Monday include Lagos Mainland, Ikorodu, Ekpe, a place called Ikbejuleki, Lagos Island, Badagri, Agege, Ikeja, Shomolu, and a place called Kosofe, I don't know how to pronounce this, Surilere, which you know well, Apapa, and then other places like Oshodi, Isolo. Now, the results are showing that uh, when you put the numbers together, Pitalbi is in the lead, mm-hmm. but it's very small. So, so far, there's nothing in the results that's surprising. Yeah, uh, you see, a number of things have happened which would take quite a lot away from the credibility of the elections. Uh, of course, we see these things in elections across Africa, but I mean, the expectation was that with the reforms, the electoral reforms that he introduced, so for instance, they amended the electoral laws as to make it possible to use biometric verification machines, and then also um, to ensure that you know the, rec- the results are recorded or uploaded mm-hmm. in real time. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that undermined the elections of Nigeria over the years was you know people stuffing ballot <laughs> papers into the ballot boxes, some people snatching the ballot boxes and taking them away. Mm-hmm. in them later and those are recorded and and there was another you know reform which ensured that if you're holding a political party position or you're holding a political office mm-hmm. you would have to resign if you actually want to supervise the process mm-hmm. uh, so that some other person who is more neutral would ordinarily take the process because people in political party positions mm-hmm or political office, always use their authority to compromise the process. Mm-hmm. Now, they're, they're, they're re- the reforms they introduced in 2002 were supposed to deal with all of these things. But unfortunately, we're told that people went to, to the election centers and for a long time, they couldn't vote. Again, the biometric verification machines couldn't work because when you register, you have to be accredited before you vote. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? So yes. it's just like verifying you. It, you are you are on the register, but they but have the to man, verify it's just, that it's just checking if exactly the details uh-huh. tally. Uh-huh. So then you know concerns have coming that so many people turned up and they were turned away. Tags attacked people at polling stations and all of that. I think it's unfortunate because look, many of us expected Nigeria to get it so right as to provide some leadership for the rest of Africa or the rest of. Pascal, if you listen to Gloria. And to other commentators, maybe the lady Maudi's view was extreme in the sense that maybe the places she, she covered. Because she's basically saying that generally things were okay, if you listen to Gloria. And I think from some of the Godfrey's own sources. Well, I've, I've, I've been listening to and monitoring the elections over the last well. one. So, and you see, and Twitter tells I, a lot. I, I think that the point social- about the delay in the collation is a major point. But I'm just saying that the issue around like delay in materials arriving that is to be expected generally because even in ghana with our smaller country with our many more years of elections Mm -hmm. you would say that some of these things do happen yes so 
uh, maybe the, the point is the, the, the emphasis should be more on the delay in the announcement no, than in things like when they went they say ink is finished and those no, things no Bernard election you, as you know <laughs> is a process yeah if the process is flawed the outcome is generally considered flawed because if people <clears throat> go to a voting center at say 6 a.m. or a.m. form queues and waited until 11 a.m. or thereafter before the process actually started. What it means is there are people who go home. They will not take part in the process. So they have been indirectly disenfranchised. So it takes away from the process. Mm -hmm. And then also when you have thugs attacking election centers, vandalizing, uh, what do you call it, ballot boxes. And the INEC has told us that in these areas specifically, they will conduct a fresh election in these areas. We hope that those go well. And then also we are told that at the end of the day, elections in Africa is not the people who voted. It's not the people who counted the ballot. It's actually the people who record the results. So that one way of taking away the the power of people who always work to compromise the results is where you are uploading the results in mm-hmm. real time. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the pink sheets. They have a, a, their equivalent, the, the Ghanaian equivalent of what we call the pink sheet. They have that. But you see, what's happening is that we're told that some people are for some reason compromised and so they do not want to feed that into the system. The INF released a statement and says that, oh, well, it is not really a question of sabotage, but because, uh, you know, there's so much pressure on, on the, the system. system. But have they confirmed that they will be holding a press conference in yeah, about at, an at, hour? At around 11 uh, Nigeria yeah. time. I don't know if anybody's been monitoring the PDP press conference, what they've been saying. We saw Dele Momodu. Yeah, we saw Dele Momodu, but... Um, Spokesperson for the PDP. We, we, we need to get him. But Dele is an interesting uh, figure because he's been... time Ghana yesterday. No, no, I mean, look, when you, you listen to the analysts, crossing carpet is very easy and a lot of the... But himself moved. So, so I mean, to see um, uh, what Dele as the PDP spokesperson should not surprise, surprise anybody. anybody. In fact, it would be useful to just mention some of the things that the INX says in their press statement. Yes, yes, so, please. the press statement was issued just yesterday, mm-hmm. um, signed by uh, Festus uh, Okoye, mm-hmm. uh, who is the national commissioner and chairman of the INEC. Um, and it says that challenges experienced with the INEC results viewing portal, which they call the IREV. Now, the commission is aware of challenges with the INEC results viewing portal, the IREV, unlike in off-season elections where the portal was used. It has been actively slow and unsteady. Now, the commission regrets this setback, especially because of the importance of IREV in our resource management process. Now, the problem is totally due to technical hitches related to scaling up the IREV from a platform for managing off-season state elections to one for managing nationwide general elections. It is needed it is indeed not unusual for glitches to occur and be corrected in such situations. Consequently, the Commission wishes to assure Nigerians that the challenges are not due to any intrusion or sabotage of our systems and that the IREV remains well secured. Our technical team is working assiduously to resolve all the outstanding problems and users of the IREV would have noticed improvements since last night. We'd also, we also wish to assure Nigerians that results from the polling uh, unit copies of which 
were issued to political parties as safe on both the BVAs and the IRF portal. Now, these results cannot be tempered with, and any discrepancy between them and the physical results used in collation will be thoroughly investigated and remediated mm -hmm. in line with Section 65 of the Electoral um, Act of 2022. Uh, in the last few paragraphs, it says that while we fully appreciate the concerns of the public on this situation and welcome various suggestions that we have received from concerned Nigerians, it is important to avoid statements and actions that can heat up the polity at this time. Or promote dissatisfaction towards the commission mm -hmm. we take full responsibility for the problems and regret the distress that they have caused the candidates political parties and the electorate and it's mm -hmm. very interesting mm -hmm. the you know the last paragraph really speaks to me and and it's it's like they have admitted that there are problems and they have said that look they accept responsibility and they are assuring that they will deal with the problem. Very often, institutions don't accept responsibility for things like this. They set up the system, they take the money for it, and they promise that it will work. And then on the day that they should deliver, they fail to deliver or largely, you know, problems undermine what they actually tell us. But on this occasion, they are accepting responsibility and they are saying that, look, they will work to ensure that the process works. Look, mm. we cannot pray that Nigeria fails. We mm -hmm. can only hope that, you know, they work their way out of the problems that they see at the Wonderful. moment. So that when they fix it right, yeah. and at the end of the day, we know the clear winner, there's no yeah. problem. And all of us... Are another another state result is coming in, mm -hmm. and I just wanted to give you that as well. So... <clears throat> So what what I find interesting is we are seeing results for the north, the north and also southwest. I'm not seeing southeast results. So the assumption is that Pitabu is going to win the southeast and the south south. That's the assumption. Now Yobe State has also come in. Yobe, Yobe State is also in the northwest, and this is actually the home state of the uh, Senate President. All right, Senate President Ahmed Lawan who is an APC chieftain. So it's like the party, uh, the, the speaker of parliament in Nigeria's home state. Now, Atiku has won. And his numbers... So what we're seeing is that... Uh, so Atiku got 98,000 votes. Mm -hmm. And he he has um, over 45,000 more than his, his rivals. So what... what is Bolatino. Bul yes, so... At, yes. So um, Atiku had one ninety eight thousand, Bola had one fifty one thousand, mm -hmm. and Nobi had two thousand. So we are seeing a pattern. Katsina, Yobe, you're saying uh, Atiku is winning, mm -hmm. but um, Bola Tinubu is doing well. Mm -hmm. So, so the, 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 the gaps are like fifty thousand, forty thousand, sometimes thousand, two thousand. It's not. Mm -hmm. it's not for example, the Katsina gap was very small. Mm -hmm. The Yobe state was uh, forty five thousand. Mm -hmm. But the the Katina spread was very small. The numbers Tinubu is getting in the north are not bad. Would that help his spread? Twenty five. I'm coming. Now you have southwest, where Tinubu is winning very well, and Obi is not doing that well except Lagos. So you can take Lagos outside southwest and treat Lagos as a separate polity. Seven million voters, where it looks like he and Bola Tinubu basically split the vote fifty fifty. So there's no real spread there for him. So the main spread for uh, uh, Bola Metinubu will be in the non-Lagos southwestern states. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oshun, Ogun, Oyo State, 
a kitty state these states we need to keep an eye on those then you go to the north the whole of the north which is the largest population and if i can analyze this on tv the largest population in the north you're seeing article win but the margins are not that high because yeah and the other point you notice that the other guy doing well in the north is actually no obis called rabbi Kwankwa, so former governor of lagos of of, of kano kano now the, the question is will he get enough votes to affect Possibly any of the big two in the north from what we're seeing so far it would seem as if we have to wait for the southeast and south south numbers to see how much uh mr obi gets but then nigeria's election is not won on the simple basis of uh simple majority if you look at the results we're seeing so far i think tinubu is in a strong position because he is winning his expected state well he's putting up a strong fight in the north even though he will lose the north he is putting up a strong fight enough to get the spread he requires mm -hmm. do you get me so in terms of absolute margins obi may get a lot of margins in the southeast and south south but he's not doing well in the north at all yeah. so he will not probably meet the 25 percent requirement and it seems as if it's going to be a runoff it, it may be article but we don't know but this is just based on our six or seven states mm -hmm. but again we'll see so we will um, tell you that we have a big one at nine o'clock mm -hmm. Tech monday nathan is going to be hosting his panel but, but and they are in studio before we get to that i just want to make a few quick announcements a quick birthday uh, uh, happy birthday to the md of unique insurance victor obin edia uh, so may the Almighty God satisfy you with good health and longevity. So happy birthday, Victor Obin Adia. Losing a loved one stops you in your tracks and leaves you shaking. In these trying times, you can count on Lashibi Funeral Homes. For the past 21 years, we've had your back when you needed it most. We pick up your loved one through to burial and cremation and funeral reception. Lashibi will guide you through the unfamiliar territory of selecting products and services. You will need to ensure your loved one has a fitting send-off. Call us on 0509-542-409 or email info at lashibifunerahomes.com. Lashibi Funeral Homes and Crematorium, dignity for the deceased, comfort for the bereaved. If your health is important to you, visit Vigdang Healthcare, uh, Ghana Health Service Certified Health Center. That specializes in kidney stones, hepatomegaly, hypertension, fatty liver treatment and more. Specialize in using 100% natural medicines in all treatments. We are on the Sprinters Road behind the Standard Chartered Bank. You may call 0549-951-211 or 0502-661-346. Now, according to the World Bank, Ghana is faced with 12% uh, youth unemployment and more than 50% underemployment. In addition, observers generally agree that Ghana's youth are ill-prepared for the world of work and only 38 out of the 100 school children transition to the next level of the academic ladder. Will you sit and consent or contribute to solve the problem? A donation of only a CD a day will support Lead Africa International, train and serve school children for free. Donate to 054-927-4728 or 054-927-4728 or go to Chango. If you go on Chango and look for Lead Africa International, you can donate for this very laudable project. Coronation Insurance is giving out up to 2,000 cities worth of fuel coupons and other amazing prizes in the Coronation Mode to Win promo. To participate, buy your motor insurance using the Coronation Insurance data platform, dial star 789 star 115 hash. That's star 789 star 115 hash. Or simply go to my coronation my.coronationinsuranceghana.com 
my.coronationinsuranceguard.com. All fuel coupons are redeemable at any Shell fuel station. You may call us on 0302-772-606. Robert and Sons Obstacles has a fantabulous back-to-school promotion. Now, bring your kids to any of our branches. We are at Adenta, Uweja, Adabraka, Usudankwa, Tema, East Legon, Koforidia, or Kumasi. Get a 10% discount on our total purchases of your blue light protection glasses. Kids between 6 and 16 will get a 50% discount on comprehensive eye test. Offer valid from 13 to 28th February. Call or WhatsApp Robert and Sons on 0501-519-111. Robert and Sons seeing is believing. And if you want to boost your social, uh, your business's social media presence and performance, join the Social Media Masterclass for Business Executives brought to you by the Institute of Digital Marketing. Learn the techniques, the tips, the best practices and insight from leading industry practitioners and professionals. Saturday, 4th March 2023, Alisa Hotel Northridge from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Rate 1,450 Ghana CDs. You will understand how social media works, how to audit your business's social media account, how to develop content using Hexacon Framework, and you will also learn insight from the Digital Report 2023. This is for MDs, marketing and sales managers, brand managers, communication managers, customer service managers, and all. Limited space available for this training. Call or WhatsApp Maximus on 0244-767-801. That's 0244-767-801. Or go to idm.edu.gh. Now, the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources and the Minerals Commission of Ghana is just reminding everybody not to engage in illegal mining. They say Ghana is bad. If you say you love your country, do not destroy its water bodies and and natural resources respect the laws help us protect the future of our kids thank you now if you're planning your next adventure remember it's not just the destination it's how you get there so in between takeoff and landing emirates is ensuring that you will enjoy your time they've got great meals you get world-class service from their award-winning cabin crew there's more on emirates.com Vodafone business presents too much business the number one mobile plan for businesses in ghana today with Vodafone Too Much Business, you have the best mobile plan on the market that gives your business the best value. This means you have the flexibility to choose voice, data, and SMS packages that suit your business size and ambitions. Get more minutes for Vodafone to Vodafone calls and calls to other networks, data, and SMS in one complete mobile package. Send starts to 0507-779-000 or email vodafonebusiness.gh at vodafone.com to sign up now. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. Welcome to 2023. 
welcome to another year of great conversations where we marry education and technology welcome to another year of edtech monday now if you're wondering what edtech monday is is a platform for edtech entrepreneurs education stakeholders and government representatives to facilitate critical conversations on the use of technology for teaching and learning the show is an initiative of the mastercard foundation's regional center for innovative teaching and learning in ICT and as part of the foundation's strategy to find solutions to Africa's youth employment by closing the gap in access to quality education and advancing the integration of technology in education policies and practices across Africa. ETEC Monday built on the foundation's Young Africa Work Strategy in Ghana with the vision of harnessing opportunities to shape the future of work and to create an inclusive economy with enhanced resilience for young people, especially women, by 2030. The Mastercard Foundation has partnered with Mest Africa to bring you ETEC Monday which airs on the last Monday of every month and you can catch the show live on 9am on the City Breakfast Show or watch it live on Facebook via City FM or City 97.3 FM or Mest Africa. My name is Nathan Carl and I'll be moderating this session. Today we are talking mainstreaming hybrid models of learning. Now we do know that in South Saharan Africa, uh, the area contains or has the world's biggest, fastest growing uh, population of school age youth with only 8% attending university. Now, if you go by this number, around 20% of children in sub Saharan Africa could be excluded from schooling by 2030, indicating a likely decline in the quality of education. We know what COVID did. COVID had a massive impact on education and training across Africa. You had about 250 million learners at various levels getting affected. And then we had to try and do e-learning and all of that, which is great. But there's a challenge of data and all the related matters. And so today we are discussing uh, the mainstreaming of hybrid models of learning in Ghana and my panel will be sharing their thoughts on the medium to long-term actions that Ghana needs to adopt to effectively use technology to build resilient education systems, digital skills, and to leverage edtech ecosystems to build capacity and implement adaptable policies. I've got three people who know their stuff really, really, really well. First up, I have Abba Brandfo Ankara, who's head of preschool at the Vine Christian School. Now, Abba is presently the head of preschool at Vine. And Vine is an international a curriculum school with a multicultural environment with a focus on training and raising Afrocentric world leaders for the coming generation. She holds an MA in Educational Innovation in Teaching and Learning from the University of South Wales in the UK, a postgraduate diploma in Education from the University of Cape Coast, and a BA in Geography and Resource Development from the University of Ghana. Abba, thank you so, so much for joining us. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you, Nathan. Great. My second panelist is FJ Carver. He is the Chief Operations Officer, Tech Aid. Now, uh, like I said, he works for TechAid. Now, TechAid uses ICT to improve education, to support your development, and to facilitate health delivery. And FJ Carver is a leading expert in the field of educational technology with a deep understanding of how technology can be harnessed to transform the way we teach and learn. FJ, good morning. Welcome to Etec Monday. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for having me. Great. And my final guest is Hilda Barassa. Hilda is 
we're Africa policy lead at the Tony Blair Institute of Global Change, and she is a policy public policy specialist with extensive experience working with governments, public sector agencies, and the private sector to deliver legislative and policy reforms. With interest in digital ID and digital government transformation, Hilda's work focuses on how governments can leverage technological advances to to increase efficiencies and enhance public service delivery. Hilda, thank you so, so much for joining us. Welcome to Etec Monday. Thanks, Nathan. Glad to be here. Great. Let's um, let's begin. Now, I read some stats concerning school-age youth in Africa. Um, can, can you guys just tell me what, what the data says about Ghana, how many in-class pupils we have at the various levels, and whether or not the hybrid model will be a viable solution to ensure inclusivity for all school-going uh, age groups in Ghana. Maybe Abba, maybe you can start us off. All right. So, um, the hybrid model, yes, it is a viable solution. Okay. Um, we realized this particularly during the COVID-19 lockdown era when the COVID-19 had an impact on the education system. Mm. You know, at the time, there was no access to physical learning. So, Hybrid model was an easy access. Okay. Children had access to learning because of the hybrid model. So, um, yes, this is what I'll say about the hybrid model. Mm. I think it's a viable option. Okay. Once we, we are able to access it, it's a viable mm. option for children. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the hybrid model is not only important during times such as, as I said, during COVID, but I think technology is being integrated into everything that we do and that if it's not fully integrated into education the kids are losing out and we need to start doing hybrids so that you know we even even today you said we're on facebook right <laughs> we're sitting here we're using hybrid yeah, model even on the radio too. and so the children should also learn how to use it wonderful um hilda yeah, I um, really have to agree with um, what the other panelists said. Um, I think particularly when you look at the statistics in Ghana, um, yes. when you think about educational attainment and the fact that you have, um, you know, at the primary level, you have about um, 7 to 1% of the students actually complete, completing like primary education. But as the as it progress to junior high and to senior mm. high, the statistics actually become quite shocking. So you have, um, you know, the numbers begin to drop. they begin to drop quite, quite significantly. And this has an impact on... Um, obviously like attainment levels, education attainment levels for students. So when you think of um, foundational um, numeracy, foundational um, literacy skills, mm -hmm. a hybrid model can actually allow the country to significantly bridge that gap and bring, um, enable particularly even students who are out of the formal education um, network to still gain this uh, really critical um, foundational mm. skills. Okay, wonderful. Um, let's 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 get into some more some more specifics. Um, about let, just share your experience with hybrid learning. You you work in a school. You work with you know children and all. Let's talk about how it plays out or how it looks like at the preschool and and primary levels, and what you feel is your best case scenario in mainstreaming hybrid models of of learning. And then maybe you can talk a bit about the tertiary level if if you want to. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> sorry. So personally, I've experienced hybrid learning at all levels. Um, I'll start by talking about my MA degree in education. Mm -hmm. um, not quite hybrid because it was fully online, you know, but 
it was an opportunity. It was available. Okay. We took it. We did it. Okay. So that's a tertiary level. Um, when I talk about at the work level, mm-hmm. so for the primary and GHS okay. or high school students, you know, we ran a hybrid level, uh, sorry, a hybrid learning module mm-hmm. during the COVID-19 period. We did a super job. I see. Um, we brought the learning to the children at home, you know, so we had a timetable where they had specific subjects every day. Mm-hmm. So they were online with their teachers and their classmates learning. You know, it was it was something that we did every day. It was daily so that we're able to keep them at the level that we wanted them to be so that when we finally went back to school, physical school, okay. there won't be a gap. Okay. You know, the transition was easy or easier because we had engaged them during the period. Okay. Now, at the preschool level, we we had online learning for them as well yeah <laughs> we did obviously we couldn't do daily as we did with yeah, primary and dhs you know but we we had live sessions with them twice a week okay okay now prior to these live sessions we sent materials to parents I see. okay so worksheets videos pre-recorded videos by the teachers and videos that were available online. Mm-hmm. So we sent these based on the topics that they were supposed to cover. Okay, so we send these to parents. Parents go through it with the children. Then we meet them online twice a week. Now, meeting them online twice a week was super because then they got to interact with their classmates, ah. got to interact <laughs> with their teachers. So they don't forget when we come back to school that we are actually back in school. You know, so when we came back to school, the transition was, was easy, mm. you know, because we had kept them learning. You know, they were doing the assignments and submitting online. And I mean, personally, my my children had a good time mm-hmm. with online learning. I found that they even learned better. Uh-huh. You know, they they learned better when they were engaged that way. And I think it really helped. Mm-hmm. One thing that we did as a school too was we opened it up, so we had children from other schools who joined just for the online mm-hmm. learning. Okay, you know, because we figured. You need to help during these times as well. Mm. So it was a really good, really good um, program that we ran okay. and it really helped. Yes. Wonderful. I mean, let, let, let me get to Hilda and, and FJ and maybe you can talk to me about the global frameworks guiding hybrid learning models. Are there any and how feasible is it to mainstream these hybrid models in Ghana? You know, talk about learning and all. How, how can we do that? Yeah, um... I think it, 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 it bears mentioning that um, globally governments are faced with sort of like a trilemma when it comes to... A trilemma. Yeah. Three-sided problem. <laughs> a, three, uh, a three-sided problem. So <laughs> governments are trying to figure out how do we deliver quality education mm-hmm. at the right scale so you know, you're know you not leaving any child behind okay. and at a cost level that is not a burden to the exchequer. So that's, that's the education trilemma yeah. for it. Um, okay. at quality, Tony, scale, and cost. Quality, scale, and cost. I see. Um, so at the Tony Blair Institute, um, we've come up with our own minimal viable education um, framework for ad- to address this trilemma. Um, so essentially, um, we're looking at a system that addresses um, the administration of a school at a local and regional level. 
um, looks at the experience of learners and teachers, also looks at the technical infrastructure for the school itself, um, and then also looks at the parent and care engagement because this kind of learning happens within an, an existing ecosystem. Um, so the framework that we came up with has three tiers that, that it, you know, basically just recognizes that what would be a minimal viable system for a high income country would differ quite quite drastically from what would be okay. minimally correct for a low income country and this and this would also apply to Ghana when you think of like the disparities in regions between school systems um in the north versus the south for example or in the central region and the west mm. um so Ghana Ghana would fit sort of like at the tier 1 level of that minimal viable um mm. framework so here we're talking about um you know, in integrating technology, and it's not just about like taking technology and giving it to students and saying run with it, but it's how do you build the supporting infrastructure that can actually support learners to to be able to adapt to that particular system. So we're still talking about what would be more of a high level of centralization, um, grouping schools, um, working at a local and regional level to ensure that delivery is done well, um, creating like a, a support system for the teachers who are delivering um, the hybrid learning model to students. So particularly where you have teachers who are low skilled. So if you think of like a, when you're building a building you have like a lot of scaffolding yeah. on the side so creating that level of support for teachers um and then also um focusing on the fundamentals for the you know we're trying to get the basics right what how do we get the fundamentals for reading for math for science right at that particular level um and obviously at this particular level connectivity is important so you have to get that right as yeah. well at that level so it's um it's you're thinking about it um as a marathon and not a sprint mm -hmm. so there's a lot of investments that would be required at this particular level but as you cascade and move to tier two where it becomes about um building on that on the basic foundation and then sustainability when it comes to tier three you've laid the right kind of foundation mm -hmm. for okay. the system to to thrive mm, FG. yeah so i i love hilda's response thank you that's great <laughs> so i work for a company called TechAid, and we deliver technology solutions to empower and it's really about empowerment. And uh, to address some of what Hilda was saying is that uh, the technology company I work for is we, we don't have a global, we had a very local mm -hmm. approach. And um, using the problems of Ghana, we designed a new product called Asanka. Uh, and Asanka is a little bit of the hybrid that we were talking about, trying to reach people where they had no technology. Mm -hmm. And um, it also uh, develops with what Hilda was saying about the scaffolding and the teachers. We have something called the um, TechAid uh, Certified TechAid Training Network, the TCTN, mm -hmm. TechAid Certified Training Network. That is the teachers to help you know build that infrastructure and make sure that they're certified and trained in all of these technologies. And I also loved what you said about inviting the other schools in yeah. and uh, getting more of the kids yeah. involved when they didn't have access, which I thought was really really great. I also noticed that there are just um, there's a couple other barriers that uh, we found, which was. Um, a lack of digital literacy and a lack of support for the educators. Not okay. only local support, but national um, support. Okay. You, you know, from the from the governmental level, that there's a lot of lip service being said to it, but not a lot of action yeah, around it. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Let, let's move the conversation on now. Now, this question is for the three of you. Let's talk about the major challenges that are likely to hinder a successful implementation of hybrid education. 
and what you feel education policies need to to look like or you know in terms of changing and adapting in order to facilitate a hybrid model of learning i, I don't know who wants to, to okay i can with. start yeah all right so i think one of the major challenges is access to data internet access ah. to devices that will actually help okay. the children so 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 you mean that internet access yes internet access okay. and then the devices yes and then the devices mm, okay. and also the cost of internet Mm, the cost of the internet here. So, 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 so those are those are the major challenges, or you feel yes, like there are. There I, are I feel like there are others, but these are, I, for me, these are the major ones. Mm-hmm. There's also the problem of supervision during the hybrid learning, depending on the level of the child. You know, there's there should be supervision from home. Yeah. Then there's exposure to excessive screen time. No. You know, the, 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 the excessive screen time comes with its own challenges. So if it's not streamlined, it, it becomes a challenge. Then there's also the problem of inclusivity, especially with um, learners that may have special education needs. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, as to whether they are being included in hybrid learning. So for me, these are the, okay. the areas that okay. if there's some policy... Policy should be built around these areas, how to make these things better, mm. and then okay. work. Not, yeah, not to speak against my panelists, but uh, uh, internet is important, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, okay. um, the Asanka device that I was talking about uh, doesn't need internet to actually function, okay. and so I think that's part of the a solution set. It's more of a combination of things as opposed to one or the other. Mm-hmm. I also think, though, there does need to be like a, a curriculum alignment mm-hmm. And quality assurance. Right now, the GES has a curriculum. They just redid the JHS curriculum. They're redoing the SHS curriculum. And having a mindset of a hybrid approach would be better. Um, We do these Yamaranta labs out in the middle of um, really remote areas. And we blend using our makerspace. We blend the GES curriculum with the makerspace curriculum. So essentially, we're teaching the teachers how to use the 3D printer to teach chemistry. Right by making molecules and things like that, how to blend the curriculum using the technology to reach the educational outcomes they want to. Mm. And I think the last thing is what we've all been saying, um, equip the teachers with these digital skills. It's not just give them a laptop and say, okay, run with it. It's how do you use the laptop to actually train the kids so that the kids can improve their BEC scores, that the kids can improve the WASI passing rate. Great. So now maybe you can talk to us from the, maybe the policy point of view. What needs to change if if we are to facilitate this hybrid model of learning here in Ghana? Maybe in, in a place just like Ghana. Yeah. Um, I think not to to you know keep harping on the point. Connectivity is 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 an issue, and and it should it should be recognised because you have you know, 81% of learners who don't actually have access to the internet. Um, And I really liked what the government did um, during the COVID period that, you know, they recognized the limitations in connectivity. So they contextualized how they were delivering hybrid learning using radio, um, using, um, yeah, Yeah. so using radio, using um, TV, where where it was available. So it's it's important to also... channel. Exactly. And I think that when when we tend to think about how we incorporate education into things, we all want to rush and and get like the, you know, creme de la creme, (laughs) the most high-tech kind of education. But you also have to realize um, that, you know, no-tech is also low-tech and being able to to tailor it to your country's... um, uh, situation. Um, I think that 
you know, learning how to join those dots, particularly when you focus on the experience of learners and teachers. For teachers particularly, um, who may even view technology as a threat, you have to take them along on the journey. So it's about reskilling and upskilling teachers and ensuring that technology is incorporated both in their training um, at, the, at the teacher training level and also in delivery. And for learners, um, you know, Nana was right, that there's an element of continuity of learning, right? So how do you create awareness for parents to be able to do that? You know, I should be able to give um, my child like a phone if that is the only source of, of you know, a smartphone, it's the only source of technology in the mm-hmm. house to be able to access um, like a learning app, for example. Um, and then lastly, um, I would propose the idea of a digital learner ID. Um, You know, students, if you think of your own, like, journey, um, you probably switch schools. When I I was, um, (laughs) you know, going through primary school, um, I switched school twice, um, and then you join um, high school or senior high school. um, There's more than a million kids who are out of school who will need to join a formal education system at some point, but the, the, the digital learning records have disappeared um, through the system. Mm. So when you think of like the BCE, you could actually get a child who is in the eighth grade and they don't have basic um, basic reading skills and numeracy skills. And that's because nobody has kept, has kept up with their with their learning records. So that progress is not actually like well documented and people tend to fall through the cracks. So if the education system could prioritize like having something as simple as a, as a learner ID that that is able to track the progress of a student through different school systems or different education level systems, I think that would be quite helpful. Mm, wonderful. You know, as you were giving your answers, a few things jumped out. You're saying that you know, learning has to be learner-centric, accessible, mm-hmm. inclusive, and all. What do we do, or what what measures do we put in place to ensure that these traits are are there and they exist as we want to achieve equitable learning skills? FJ, maybe you can share. share oh those. yeah, give me the hard one. <laughs> <laughs> I got to this thoughts just quickly on, on that one too. Uh, yeah, well. You know, Montessori is learner-centered, right? So it's all about kid-centered. So maybe we could learn a little bit from the Montessori model and have the public school system learn a little bit from that in giving kids the chance. And also maybe just um, trusting children, right? Trusting students that if we're going to do learner-centered, have learner-driven education. Give them uh, a period where they are just... um, exploring the technology on their own so they can learn from themselves. You know, some of the best learnings are done by the kids themselves. We, we run uh, a robotics competition mm. um, at TechAid. It just happened last week at AirTad. And some of the solutions, we were doing um, the um, sustainable development goals, and they were given a robotics set and told, come up with solution sets. And some of the creativity, again, kid-centered, student-centered creativity to solutions. We had an, uh, an earthquake monitoring that came up. We had a, a drought uh, uh, indicator, water indicator for farming. It was brilliant. They, you know, when given, when trusting the students, they, they, they don't um, disappoint. I see. Um, Hilda? Yeah. Um, I th- you know, incorporating, in- you know, inclusivity into the design of, of ed tech solutions, right? Um, so, you know, for example, the work that the tech aid does, they provide sort of like the technology platform, but you also need to bring on board um, content creators who actually are able to 
you know, make sure that there is continuous development of localized, high-quality yeah. content that is in integrated totally into the system um, from the word go. And then we also can't shy away from issues of funding, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the Ghana government has, you know, spent uh, a significant amount of money on education, but when you look at it statistically, it's actually dropped from 7% of as the share of GDP mm -hmm. back in 2012 to, to just a mere, like, 3.8 or 4% currently. Mm -hmm. So, you you have to think of the the long game, right? You have to actually invest and put money into developing the systems, investing in the infrastructure and getting it right at this particular level if you want to be able to sustain it. And beyond even sustaining it, it's it's creating an environment that can be able to attract investment from the decades of this mm -hmm, world, from yeah. other NGOs yeah. or private sector partners, okay. um, to be able to to yeah move it forward. Great. Uh, but let's let's talk about what the different stakeholders need to do, right? You 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 run a school, so you interface a lot with entities like the GES, that kind of thing. So so what 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 do you think that the the major stakeholders need to do? Policymakers, GES, school leadership, teachers, students, all these people. Okay, so I think that um everyone should have in mind who the major stakeholder here is. Mm. And that's the learner. That's the learner. Okay, so everything that we do is centered around the learner. So if we don't have an idea of who the learner is, then it becomes a challenge, right? Okay, so for the stakeholders, they must focus on the learner. They must create an experience where, regardless of what kind of learner we are dealing with, they are actually gaining something, something meaningful. Okay, okay so we have different types of learners. We have learners like me who, until we've manipulated what we are learning, we haven't learned. <laughs> we have learners who just need to see. Okay. We have learners who just need to hear. You know, we, we have learners who will not do well in the hybrid space because they need to have physical contact with okay. classmates, mm. with teachers to be able to learn. Okay, so for stakeholders, we have to have in mind who the learner is okay. and how to help them. Then we have those with maybe special needs. Exactly, for exactly. We have learners with special education needs. So, you, and with the special education needs, it's a broad range, you know. So, what will work for one child will not work for another. Mm. So, we need to have all these in mind when we are drawing policies, you know, to to make it work. Mm, great. Let, let's um, a bit on, for example. Um, parents okay what 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 do you think they can do as we talk about this hybrid learning you know all of that just from your experience okay. what, what you feel what do you think that parents say what, what they can do okay so parents apart from provision okay because the learner needs the resources okay. to be able to learn um there also has to be the supervision you know the monitoring because sometimes you find that there's that gap i've given you what you need and that's it and that's it mm. you know but are we supervising them making sure that because the internet is 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 broad you know but are we making sure that they are doing what they need to do at the time that they need to do it how are we guiding them how are we molding them shaping them with what they're supposed to be learning so for me i think that's the major role that parents need to play we provide it, but we also monitor, we supervise, supervise to make sure that 
everything mm. is going on the way it should. Okay. Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, yeah. I love that response. We're, um, not to promote TechAid, but at techaid.global, we have a blog. <laughs> mm. And on the blog, we write uh, to parents, mm -hmm. to parents, to proprietors, to teachers, and to students, those four categories. Mm. And we try to help educate, like, what should parents do? It's nice to talk about it, but we have sort of okay what do you do with screen time uh some of the topics are like teachers how to manage the first day of your classroom proprietors uh how to organize teachers and your your physical okay. space okay. and parents like what to do when your child um wants a tablet is that okay how to use it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah great um, help, um, can you just talk to us about key partnerships that may be required to ensure that we can successfully implement hybrid learning models and why do we need these key partnerships? Um, you definitely need partnerships to be able to do it because everything works within an ecosystem, right? Okay. Um, so tech is not the be-all, end-all solution or a hybrid learning model is not the be-all, end-all solution. Um, it falls um, within sort of like the parameters of um, are the policymakers on board? Ha are they putting in place the right policy and strategies? So the government is a key partner and a key driver um, for the hybrid learning model itself. Um, in terms of like the enabling infrastructure, if you if you if you if you're able to segregate it from low tech online offline models of mm. hybrid learning. Um, you 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 will look at um for example like telcos um telcos can be able to to support like an 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 a low tech model of education where you know service providers are able to use smss or ussd codes to be able to still deliver um um learning content and using like a, a low tech model um you also have to to think of you know how we're leveraging sort of like the social media platforms right yeah. Yeah. um can can you be able to create um uh you know the right kind of learning opportunities um using like the the same you know social media that people are using whether it's 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 tiktok <laughs> right um so many kids already know what tiktok is yeah um true. can you use it to deliver sort of like um to support like learning outcomes in that sense and Lastly, I think a key partnership is with NGOs, um, for example, um, because there are, there are lots of kids who live in rural areas or marginalized areas who are out of sort of like these, um, uh, they live in this and they school in areas that are not connected to yeah. either the internet or not. And NGOs can be very instrumental in taking these hybrid learning devices um, to these communities and connecting them to like the wider um, education model and then you also have to think of uh, local partners right content creation is really key you can develop the technology solution but if you don't have local partners who can build the content and upload it to your to your website what you're doing would be out of alignment with like the mm. local curriculum framework so you have to bring local partners on board okay still listening to EdTech Monday on the February 27, 2023. If you are listening to us on the City Breakfast, you're wonderful. But if not, you can also join in via the City FM Facebook page of our Mest Africa. We are discussing mainstreaming hybrid models of learning. And I have with me Abba Branfo Ankara, head of preschool at the Vine Christian School. I also have FJ Carver, uh, Chief Operations Officer at TechAid. And I have Hilda Barasa, who's uh, Africa Policy Lead at the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. 
All right, now let's um, let's listen to some students and their thoughts on their experiences with hybrid learning, what they feel should be improved or how it can be made better, and what's their idea of uh, the future classroom, what they think the future classroom will look like. Horizon. I think it's okay to sit in your room uh, with your kid or as a university student, sit in your room and then just a click away, which is even sometimes cheaper than, you know, picking a bus to campus and then back again. Then again, um, some students find their confidence behind the screen when there is a one-on-one um, class they cannot speak this is highly relative some students are very active when they are talking to the teacher face to face but some are more active behind the screen they would rather answer questions behind the screen and feel uh, less intimidated you know behind the screen but then everything has its pros and cons so of course it does come with some pros with a question of Having to blend online learning and physical, physical in class, uh, we think that's the way to go because um, in the line of work we do, we realize that most schools are not there yet when it comes to tech integration. So we can't do 100% online. However, we can't also sit and say we will not do anything at all. So there need to be a balance where um, we, we, we integrate both. So it also helps the children to easily transition into higher education. So as a matter of um, agency and uh, as a way of making schools and students more resilient to academic disruptions, such as the one that happened during COVID, we really, really, really need to look at blending both. And it also helps to save um, resources because there are times, I know some universities are doing it, um, there are times they do um, online classes so they don't have to go um, to campus. Imagine someone traveling um, a lot of kilometers to get to school. So I think that's the way to go. We need to uh, find a way to blend both online and then in-person in learning. Yeah. In today's age, I believe that online and classic education need to be mixed. With the 21st century, it's an essential thing um, to mix the two forms of education. There are such rich resources online that you cannot teach without making good use of them. So it's basically an extension of learning and it's a necessity, let me say that. As a parent, I see two things. I see the use of education on one hand and I also know about the misuse of education on the other hand. So it has to be well supervised, it has to be controlled. Um, you have to make sure that the time is spent well on educational sites and not on social media and even other um, sites. So it has to be very controlled. There are some parents who may not have access to either the internet or gadgets that will use the internet. So we need to create some kind of equity. And um, once that is created, I'll be very much in favor for us to have, or my children to have a mix of both um, learning online and learning through the traditional ways. I think it's a good thing, it's something that is needed and we should do it. With other factors that I can mention, with the challenges I can mention, um, now phones are expensive, computers are expensive. So combining these two is going to be a little tedious for parents. 
which I believe um, wouldn't actually help because definitely we are going to pay for classes and you are still going to pay for online so it's going to be a double headache for parents secondly I also believe um, this is going to make the children kind of isolate themselves from going out uh, they would rather decide to be indoors and still be doing their own thing not even listening to what the teachers are saying if my classroom lessons were recorded it will be helpful because at times you might miss some things that a teacher will say so you need to ref need to refer back and know if I'm able to practice past questions on, on my computer and get the results immediately it'd be so it'd be so efficient because I don't need to wait and, and wait for someone to come mark it or mark it myself once I know that it will be marked as soon as I'm done. So those were some students and a parent sharing their own thoughts on hybrid learning and what can be done to improve hybrid learning. This is still uh, EdTech Monday for February 2023. My name is Nathan Kwao and my panelists for today are Abba Brand for Ankara, head of uh, preschool at the Vine Christian School, FJ Carver, chief operations officer at TechAid and Hilda Barasa, Africa policy lead at the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. Ladies and gentlemen, you, you heard um, the students and parents sharing very interesting thoughts there. So now that we've heard all of them, let's, let's share a few thoughts on what skills, knowledge and capacities need to be developed so that hybrid learning is implemented well. Because you heard them, they felt there were a few issues here and there. So what, what do we need to do? What do we need to improve on so we can better implement this hybrid learning? Uh, can I jump in there? Yes, yeah. please. So one thing that TechAid does is when we sell a piece of hardware, we sell the training with it because we really believe that it's not the hardware, it's the people that make the thing. And part of that that we've learned over the years is what we call digital literacy, mm. right? We give all these tools, we send people to the internet, but we don't really train them on how to use it and what's safe and what's not. You know, digital literacy isn't just on how to use it. It's things like um, phishing scams and spam and all of the um, negative things that technology can bring. And it's not that we should throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's we should train people on how to use it correctly, right? We give um, machetes to children on how to <laughs> cut the grass, yeah. right? But machetes are also dangerous tools. But we're not afraid because we've trained them on how to use them correctly. Mm, mm. And I think if I could add on that, um, for every other thing, if you think of your math skills, your reading skills, there is a defined um, model of measuring the level of proficiency that you have. There isn't some, there isn't an equivalent for digital skills. Mm. So if you don't build like this model that can actually measure the proficiency of digital okay. skills and know how a child is progressing from you know, point A to B, um, for, and, you know, for both um, teachers and learners, okay. it's very hard to measure the effectiveness of a hybrid learning model. So, you know, similar to the parent who, who said, you know, this could be a waste of time, um, <laughs> that, you know, they're, they're going to be paying um, for their kids to go to school cool, and, and, and pay, pay against for, pay again for, for digital online, skills yeah. because you haven't, contact, you know, been able to quantify what skills your child is picking up from being able to interact in a hybrid learning model. So this needs to be developed. And, mm. it just, and when you're able to actually... 
um, have the kind of data that backs up, like, you know, my child is not proficient in being able to um, interact with other learners online, being able to um, uh, progressively um, answer difficult questions digitally on the system. You know, similar to mathematics, right? So um, the way mathematics works is your child goes online, they start, you know, um, answering like math questions, the teacher is able to note how long are they spending um, on this particular mm -hmm. set of questions yeah. or, you know, or concept, and they know that this is an area of struggle um, for the child. So being able to train teachers to be able to what the time equivalent that, that learners are spending in this hybrid model means in terms of their comprehension of a subject matter, so they can be able to then support the digital learning with like physical support, being able to tutor them through a difficult concept, I think is really key, both for the sustainability of, of, of the model, but okay. also for, you know, awareness creation. Mm. Abba. Okay, so I think Hilda and FJ have basically <laughs> said everything. I was really hoping somebody would leave something. <laughs> so I'll have something to say, you know, but I think, I I think that they've 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 said it. Um, so yes, computer literacy skills are very important. Okay. Um, I will focus on the educator or yes. the teacher. Yeah. So once we train them with the skills that they need, I think it's important that we actually find a way to create networks for them. Okay, so that they are able to collaborate, share ideas, support each yeah. other, so that the learning is is actually spread. Okay, I think that that will help. And then with the children um, or the learners, yes, computer literacy skills. And I think that typing skills are also quite important. Mm, typing skills. Yes, because um, we are moving in a, in, in, a, in a world now that, so we're talking about hybrid learning. Yeah. You know, we are doing a lot of things online. We are doing a lot of things with computers. If we are not able to identify the keys on the keyboard, and use them, you know, then it becomes a challenge because we are answering questions online, we are submitting our assignments online. So typing skills are also very important for the children. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I think that's another skill too that we can build on. Great. Um, Hilda, let's, let's talk about educational stakeholders. Um, mm -hmm. How can they be supported in producing and using education and skills data to inform policy and support planning and make decisions and, and all that? Yeah, um, I think the the hybrid learning system in Ghana it, it's it's fairly nascent. It's sort of like in its it's yeah, yeah it's very it's, very yeah, new, very new. Um, <laughs> and and it's only since COVID that that you know that sort of like exposed sort of like the weaknesses in the traditional um, learning system, particularly for continuity, mm -hmm. that this such conversations have taken center stage. So when when I think of how you engage. Um, policy uh, stakeholders in, in, in the sector, you're, you're engaging them through three things, right? So there's policy, um, and then process, and then technology. Um, and it has to be factored at, you know, how you engage them has to be factored around these three particular things. So when it comes to policy, um, the government cannot develop policies in a vacuum. There's a lot of, you know, advocacy that, that's required, um, a lot of sense checking of ideas with okay. education practitioners, um, capacity building, um, particularly of, of teachers, as, as, as she said, um, you have to think about how you communicate and, and the kind of awareness campaigns that, yeah, that, that you use to actually 
make people understand what one what hybrid learning is what okay. it can deliver what what problems it solves in the community and then also just um bring on board like tech innovations to be able to scale sort of like the kind of access and impact you need to be able to create um a network for all for all your stakeholders from both the public private and funders on the other hand okay. and then the tech innovators as mm. well wonderful okay. i also yeah i also think there's um to to play off what um my colleagues have said on the panel is there's the national teachers council and the mm. ghana tertiary educational commission yeah. there are these yeah the there are these institutions that are sometimes overlooked that are um uh, have a wealth of information that they're not engaged enough with, right? They know because they're the practitioners on the ground. And um, as Hilda said, and as Ada said, like the teachers, right? Let's pay attention to the teachers. Let's engage the NTC um, to see what they have to say. Let's engage the uh, GTEC to, to see because they're the ones that actually are uh, interfacing. Mm. Great, 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 great stuff. Guys, uh, let's wrap it up. Let me take just concluding thoughts. We've, we've been chit-chatting for, for a while. Very insightful things I've heard. But for somebody who may have just tuned in and it's probably, you know, catching this part of the conversation, about what would be your concluding comments on the concept and just the implementation of hybrid learning in Ghana, what we've seen and how well we can, we can grow it to be so everybody benefits? Okay, so I'll say that hybrid learning now is the future of learning. Okay. Okay. Um, all stakeholders must be involved with the mindset that the primary stakeholder is the learner. So everything we are doing is centered around the learner and helping them to gain the experience that they need to be able to live in the world that we live in today. Yes, so that's mm. what I'll say. Great. FJ? Yeah, I agree. Uh, Technology is not going away, so we <laughs> we better learn. For how those to who use thought it, it was yeah. going away, it's, not, it's, it's not going away. So um, we better teach our children how to use it. Great, Hilda. Yeah, um, I agree with both of those things. I think you know, hybrid learning is it's the future, right? Um, like um, FJ said, technology isn't going away, but I think the approach to how you use technology is what can make or break the system. Um, so you have to consider hybrid. Um, you have to think of hybrid learning and implement it within, um, you know, with with that big picture in mind. So you're thinking about um, the you know a holistic approach to it, thinking about the ecosystem itself, mm -hmm. um, and ensuring that the that it can succeed just by creating like focusing on the enabling infrastructure looking at the business models for um for tech innovators or tech providers looking at the human capital element for teachers and then lastly not forgetting make it enjoyable and fun mm. for mm. learners and make <laughs> yeah. sure that you're bringing that's important yeah, you're yeah, bringing the key. community fun and parents along with it great great wonderful wonderful thank you so so much i had I had um, Abba Brand for Ankara, head of preschool, Vine Christian School. I had FJ Carver, uh, chief operations officer, tech aid. And I had Hilda Barassa, Africa policy lead at the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. And this morning we've been talking mainstreaming hybrid models of learning. So we've heard it. That really is our reality. Technology won't go away. We need to embrace it, but we need to build ourselves and develop the infrastructure and capacity to do it and do it well. So the learner benefits. The learner is the most important element in this equation. The learner has to benefit. 
let me thank my guests once again abba fj and hilda thank you so so much for for coming and it was fun it was great and um, i'm better educated than when we started <laughs> thanks for having us yes. yeah. thank you thank you so that was uh, our serving of edtech monday for february now edtech monday is a platform for edtech entrepreneurs education stakeholders and government representatives to facilitate critical conversations on the use of technology for teaching and learning the show is an initiative of the mastercard foundation's regional center for innovative teaching and learning in ict and it's part of the foundation's strategy to find solutions to africa's youth employment by closing gaps in access to quality education and advancing the integration of technology in education policies and practices across africa etec monday builds on the foundation's um, young africa work strategy in ghana with the vision of harnessing opportunities to shape the future of work and to create an inclusive economy with enhanced resilience for young people especially women by 2030 the mastercard foundation has partnered with mest africa to bring you etec monday airing on the last monday of every month catch the show live at 9 a.m um on the city breakfast show or watch it on facebook live via city 97.3 fm or mest africa my name is nathan Kwao and i moderated the session join us in march for another insightful session on edtech education and technology uh-huh. hey hey dj juice c well I'm running in this field of dreams if I start to finish Cause I'm in it to win it, though it might take a minute I'm blind it seems cause I see no limits If I listen to critics, then I might just quit it But there be that, when it's judgment day I tell you that I go see answers for yourself, not for me Muna. What do I look like, the smartest book type I make you come test, you go see my shit night I'm that crook like, I have them shit right No Takashiba come off them air nikes Me and my air likes found the pavements day and night Sun up to sundown, calm down home slice Check the news rail, you might just see rail I write long watch, I lay I need a book deal On some true hill, somebody's sleeping in my bed Just like toothaches, they got some nerves Eating my order with a chick with big curse We're wrapping it up on the City Breakfast Show Music coming in from Cyril and Manifest That's a Jew, DJ Jew. Call this one Opemu uh, uh, Remember that if you're planning your next adventure, it's not just the destination, it's how you get there. So on Emirates, you can dine on gourmet meals inspired by regional cuisine. And you can enjoy drinks and drinks and more drinks. And you get world-class service from Emirates' world Emirates' award-winning cabin crew. So wherever you decide to fly, fly better on Emirates. You get so much in Emirates' economy. Find out more at Emirates.com. Cashmere since the cashier. Now these cats fear too much change like a bad cashier. Forget the politics and politics. We take your phone and polish it. Read your constitution, then abolish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said I'm far more. Yeah, touch it. M dot and serial on the mic. My loss it. One life, I swear on the MIC. That M dot and IB on the face of this game like me. <laughs> Acro, we rapping from the core, we got one at the top, we go quite share the game, no pain, no gain. So we the pain, you say we the game, fool. Oh shit.
can't explain how we evolve to manifest when we keep it real and you do stay lame it's best we spit lyrics no gimmicks we never timid in it and if we ain't killing beats then we chilling guinness you trying to take it to the top but we broke the limits so better find another trade redefine your winning <laughs> Huh. Maybe same old, Jemin and Tia telling me okay, I run to you if only they knew It's futile trying to stop you, we're brave, we're brave, we're same and that's our city breaks for sure for the morning monday 27th of february 2023 the earlier you heard bernard avlin richard de la sky and gofford akutubwafu we are back tomorrow with another episode of the city breakfast show if only they knew